This episode has been brought to you by Made With Rage. Made With Rage is a black British-owned Etsy store selling Harry Potter and Star Wars face masks, perfect for this current times, swimwear, bags, and loads more. All products have been handmade with love and care, and bespoke requests are welcome. To find out more, click on the link in the description, or visit etsy.com slash madewithrage0. You said you'd come. Lawrence, hope Hi everybody, welcome to episode number 88 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason, I'm the host of the show, as you know by now, and I'm joined as always by Rich Kid, aka uh, Dark Magic. Let's go with Dark Magic, I don't think I've used that one yet. Let's, Dark, let's magic. Dark Magic. So, okay, hold on, hold on, so is this going to be a thing? Is this going to be a thing of like, every week, whether you're hosting or whether I'm hosting, I just get a brand new name? Because last week, it went, well, not last week, like the last podcast we did, when we discussed about how my name is Dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Let's, let's well, keep that a thing, man. Why not? Let's keep yeah. it a thing. But you know what? But I, like, some, I'm not sure if I said it last time, but did I actually tell you how you actually derived Dick from the name Richard? Uh, no, you didn't. You were quite puzzled by how that works. But um, okay, no. Yeah, yeah, no, cause, no, yeah, so, no, basically, in fact, I've told the joke completely wrong. You know, when someone tells a joke and they just watch it up from the get-go. So basically, so, if you were live on stage, people would be chucking rotten fruit at you. But ah, bro, yeah. no, listen, I would, I would have got, I would have got a rock to the head by now. Like, they'd be like, what? <laughs> this guy thinks he's funny. Crack. Boom. Done. Like, like, you know, but basically what it is, you're meant to, I think you're meant to be talking to the opposite gender or the gender that you like or someone that you're attracted to. Um, and basically, you know, they're meant to be like, oh, you know, but how, how does Dick even derive from the name Richard? And then you, as you know, with the name Richard, they're meant to go ask me nicely and I'll show you later. Is that type of, you know, sexual male misogyny type of joke? Oh, but, um, okay, okay. But yeah, but yeah, but you can see how I brushed it up, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh dear. Anyway, welcome listeners. Yes, it's episode 88 as said of the We Long Talks podcast. Um Jason here, your host, and uh, joined by Rich Kid, aka Rich Reviews. Um, and for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh what we do here is we talk about movies, gaming, uh comic books, TV shows, and all the kind of stuff that you love about pop culture. Uh this week we are going to be talking about a couple of DC movies um that we watched uh, fairly recently and giving you our thoughts on that. Unfortunately, we missed the the, the hype train uh for mm-hmm. these two movies, so to speak, but 
you know what? They're, they're biggies and they're worth a, worthy of a discussion. So uh, we're going to spend our time today talking about Wonder Woman 84, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, or the Snyder Cut, for those who um, who want to refer to it that way. And we'll talk a little bit too about the Suicide Squad trailer um, for the new DC movie directed by James Gunn. Um this is the first time we've done a DC chat in a little while. Uh, and yeah. part of this is uh, going to form two parts. So uh, there'll be one part, uh, which you'll be listening to now, which will, uh, of course will be our review of those two movies and of that trailer. Uh, and there'll be another part coming soon where we're going to have a discussion about uh, the DCEU as, as a whole um, and about DC films and Richard's got a few ideas on on how to kind of course correct the the DCEU as a whole. Um, so we'll kind of debate that, and and we'll debate you know the whole landscape and stuff. So we're not going to mention too much about that in, in this podcast today, um, even though it is relevant to to both of these movies. Um, it, I think it's something that warrants its own discussion. Um, and as I said, Richard's got quite a few good ideas uh, about how things, how the landscape could look. Um, with a more coherent plan and, and uh, agenda going forward. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll let you know when that one is coming up. Um, and also, I should mention as well, we're on the Stereo app, for those of you who uh, know that app and, and have used that app before. It's a live podcasting platform, and it allows you to record uh, live podcasts with interaction with your audience, which is amazing um if you haven't checked it out yet uh, look for the stereo app in your app store either on google play or on ios uh, download the app and then search for wulong talks and you'll find us there um and as said what we're doing on the platform is is doing some kind of informal chats and trying to get to know our audience a bit better so um download it give us a follow and the next time that we're on a recording you'll get a notification and you'll be able to join in with the chat and send us audio messages and and we'll get to know a bit more about you so um yeah make sure you go ahead and do that uh right before we get into our reviews of the movie we'll do our usual catch-up so um rich uh, how have you been what have you been up to have you been watching playing reading anything cool uh, in the last yeah, couple of weeks yeah last couple of weeks last um i've been doing a bit of everything to be honest like, like gaming watching stuff uh in fact you know i haven't been a lot of everything because i haven't been reading as much as I should be, or as I usually do. Um, but yeah, man, uh, obviously, we've got Winter Soldier. I've been cracking on of that. Like, and I'm thoroughly impressed with the show. I mean, I do have a, a few gripes with it. But um, yeah, I'm really happy that um, Marvel have used this, you know, this TV show format to try and expand on characters that wouldn't normally get uh, the top billing that they, that they, you know, that they, that they you know they can't get in the film because of you know they're not considered a list and stuff and it, and it really seems to be working in a favor man I'm, I'm, I'm liking it um yes i've been watching that i started a new show called sky rojo which is um spanish for red and it's basically about a, a bunch of sex workers who revolt against uh, their pimp after he assaults one of the you know one of the one of the sex workers in the actual bottle and they end up having to run away and they end up, you know, just basically being chased by the, the pimp's brothers who, you know, basically want to bring them back and you know, cause some harm to them. And I think it's by the same people who may have done like money heists or something like that. And it's got, um, 
I don't really recognise any of the act- actresses in it, um, just because I don't watch Spanish films as much as I used to with Spanish TV. But I, but the one of the guys in it is from Sense Eight, the one who played the Spanish actor or the Mexican actor. Oh yeah, 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 cool. Gabriel, his name's like Gabriel something, but like, like yeah, yeah, yeah I can't well. remember what his name is. Off yeah. The top of my head, yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, really good show. So I'd recommend anyone who's looking for something to watch, who, who's a fan of Money Heist, go and peep that. Um, I've been watching Invincible, the Amazon cartoon, obviously based on the Ryan Otley and Robert. Kirkman image comic book from back in the day um and that's a really good it's just a really good cartoon man it's about a, a kid who really he's, who finds out that he's from another planet not dissimilar to Superman except for the fact that his father is actually a superhero as well and it's basically about him trying to learn how to use his powers and trying to be the hero um that he feels he wants to be because you know he doesn't want to be a superhero when they're a kid um I mean that's all I'm going to say about that um but if we thinking that because it's a cartoon you can sit down and watch it much like what Jason does with Quincy yeah this isn't that type of cartoon <laughs> you know this isn't your Max Fleischer um Warner Brothers Batman the animated series type of animation this is American animation with the feel of something that you'd find in adult anime or adult manga so yeah just remember that it's a 15 or 18 um and yeah that's it man gaming I've been playing Outriders that new game, Outriders, is right. It's not too bad. I'm just waiting for them to release Horizon Zero Dawn for free on PlayStation Now on the 19th. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for me, to be honest. Cool, cool. Yeah, I need to catch up with Invincible because um, you bought me like an issue of it ages ago and I read the, mm. the issue and it's like, oh, this is really good. So I've managed to find like a, a PDF copy on, on the internet of, of, of some of the other issues. And so I started to catch up with the backstory and stuff. And um, yeah, it's really fascinating. So um, the only reason why I haven't started Invincible yet is because I've as said I've already read a lot of the, the comic book run. So I was kind of like, well, mm-hmm. you know, if it's similar to that, then I kind of know what's going to happen so I can pick it up at another time. So um, that's the only reason why. But uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. So um, yeah, definitely something I'll, I'll be checking out. Um, for me, not a lot. Uh, same as you, catching up with uh, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Um, recent episode was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, we'll be doing a, a, a wrap up chat with a, a friend of ours, Dan from uh, Dan's Distillery. Those of you who've been listening to us for a while know him uh, pretty well because he's been on twice now. Um, so we'll be joined by him uh, when the final episode releases, which I think is the 24th of April. Um, so we'll be recording a podcast on, on that date to um, wrap up that whole show and discuss the ins and outs of it. So make a note of that in your diaries if you're um, a fan of that show, because uh, we'll do a deep dive then. But yeah, overall, I've, I've quite enjoyed it as, as, as well. Um, what else have I done? Uh, I didn't even realize My Hero Academia was back on TV, the anime. I was like, what the hell? I turned on Crunchyroll one day and there was a new episode <laughs> there. I was like... I felt betrayed. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> you know, why, why have you not told me this show is back? So um, I caught up with uh, the latest episode of that. And then I think there's another one that's out already. So I need to check that out as well. Um, there was new episodes of Case Closed, uh, Detective Conan as well, that's come out. So I watched a few of those with Quincy. 
um, although he's not as interested in it at the moment. Um, I think he's more kind of developing his own tastes, unfortunately. So he's all about in the night garden. So that's his thing right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, he's he's just all about like Eagle Piggle and, and Whoopsie Daisy and and the Ninky Nonk and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm. And if you're wondering why I've learned all of these names, it's because I've had to watch all of these episodes with him. Um, but yeah, like he's he's bang on that. So we, he's not really following Detective Conan, but I've caught up with all of that. Um, and that's been, uh, yeah, pretty good so far. Uh, what else is there? Oh, and Judgment. Yeah, I'm finally playing Judgment again. And I've managed to go from chapter three to chapter five. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah there's only another there's only another 12 or 13 chapters to go so yeah i'll get there eventually but um at least i'm making some progress there uh and i did play a little bit of uh lego marvel um superheroes the other day as well because uh, i downloaded that um and yeah it's not too bad actually because I, I i quite like the star wars uh lego games mm. um so i thought okay well let me try the uh marvel one and yeah it's not too bad so yeah, it's pretty good. But that's been me pretty much uh, in terms of uh, kind of stuff I've been watching and, and doing and all of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. Um, well, yeah, I guess we should probably start talking about um, the, the stuff we're here to talk about, which is, of course, as said, uh, the uh, latest offerings from DC Films and Warner Brothers uh, in relation to the DC Extended Universe. I mean, I don't even know if that term is defunct now. It feels yeah, like it yeah. is, to be honest, because it, it just feels like everything has changed over there. And as I said, we won't get into all of that today. That can form a part of uh, the extra discussion that, that we have uh, coming coming up soon, because um, that that's kind of its whole own thing that needs to be unpacked and examined. Um, so we'll just stick to kind of focusing on on the movies here. But um, yeah, firstly, I guess we'll start off with Wonder Woman 84, um, which, uh, you know, when it came out, um, we were still obviously in the height of, of the pandemic here in the UK and, and we're still locked down and so on and so forth. So there wasn't really many people who were able to get out to the cinema to see it. So um, it had to be something that you had to enjoy at home. Uh, in the US, it, it came out on the HBO Max uh, streaming platform. And in the UK, I think it came out over now tv i want to say i think is is the platform that, that picked it up over here in the uk because hbo max is still not available in the uk I, mm. I have no idea why uh or why they're dragging their feet on that but um yeah it, it, it had to be other kind of streaming platforms really that, that we went to 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 watch the movie so um yeah, I don't know what, again, what they're playing out over there at Warner Brothers and why it's taking them so long to bring these things internationally. And I really don't know. Um, I mean, I know Disney Plus had a, a little bit of a lag between it coming out in the US and then coming out in Europe, but it wasn't that long. So, um, yeah, they need to pull their finger out there if they want to start really uh, capitalizing on international audiences and so on but anyway i digress um yeah so i was able to uh watch wonder woman 1984 and uh i've got lots of thoughts in it rich has got lots of thoughts in it um so i suppose we may as well start off uh what were your kind of like thoughts going into the movie rich did you have any kind of like expectations in terms of what the sequel was going to be about and, and what you kind of wanted to see from, from the sequel itself? Um, you know what? Like, well, first and first, we'll talk about the first one literally for like two sentences. 
like anybody that doesn't know. I thought the first one was okay. That third act where it just completely buckles is just a travesty in like in, in like in trying to tell a tell a story with like with, with a good three story act. It's like like how do you how did you even fumble the bag? But the first two parts of the, of the first one, the woman, were okay. So much so that I wasn't actually the biggest fan of 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 the one of the first one, the woman. I I really really wasn't. So going into this one. Obviously, when I saw the trailers and seeing that it was set in 1984, I was like, okay, cool. Now you're hitting me with a gimmick. Let's roll with that and let's see what you can pull off, especially considering, you know, what I've seen certain, you know, like Netflix do with a program, say, like, you know, Stranger Things. So I was, so, you know, like, you know, and obviously we're, we're from that era where we kind of grew up on like 70s and 80s comics, like, you know, mm. 70s comics were throwbacks, but we were around in the 80s and old enough to purchase comics. So, I was like, okay, cool. I can, I can echo this. Like, hopefully, it's gonna be good. And um, and to be fair, I mean, like, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't exactly one hundred percent happy. But I was thoroughly entertained. Let's hmm. let's put it that way. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was entertained. It, it really kept me entertained. And I think the feel that they were going for, I for me, I understood it, and I appreciated it. I appreciated it simply for that fact that they went down that route so obviously I'm not going to go too much into depth because obviously I, I want you to say like how you felt about it then we can obviously compare notes but there's the point I'm going to say is that what I loved about it seems to be what a lot of people hated about it but they seem mm. to have missed the point mm. so, yeah mm. yeah but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that but I, but I, I was happy with the film mate Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely get into the the backlash, uh, as I said, towards this this film um, because I, I found it a bit puzzling, to be honest. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely unpack that as well and and, and get into that. Uh, for me, my expectations were um, that we were going to get a movie that uh, was going to be fun, um, would hopefully have lots of kind of. Um, 80 stylings and, and kind of lean a little bit into the 80 sensibilities um, and to the time period that one woman was, was kind of based in, but would also give us, you know, that, um, that contextualization for a modern kind of viewing experience. So, you know, being able to kind of see the, the kind of typical tropes that you would get in, in an 80s, um, TV show adaptation, which I felt personally that this was more of a kind of adaptation of, of uh, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman series, um, more than anything that was kind of based on on the comic books as such. Um, but for me, that that was cool, and I was I was fine with that. Um, and yeah, kind of going in, my expectation was, you know, that I'd get something like that, and I'd get something kind of fun. Um, the previous Wonder Woman, I, I think, is fine. Um, you know, it, 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 like you, I kind of a lot of what happened in the third act kind of disappointed me a lot because up until that point, I, I was really enjoying the movie, um, and unfortunately, some of the decisions they make in the final third of the film really just kind of let the whole thing down for me a bit. So, mm. so I felt it was fine, but. Um, you know, there was room for improvement. Um, with this movie, I think it's kind of insane, <laughs> I yeah. guess, when you look at it from, a, um, you know, from an analytical point of view. 
but I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Um, again, because the, of, of how I viewed it through, a, you know, through a, a modern lens, looking at you know what Wonder Woman would be like set in the 1980s. Um, so, to me, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the the, the bonkersness about it was the, the stuff that I kind of enjoyed. Um, and I actually came out of the movie at the end thinking, yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, um, it's certainly not perfect. Um, it, it does have its issues, but you know, I, I enjoyed the experience as, as a whole, really, and, and I, I really did. So I honestly kind of was like, yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, I don't I don't mind that at all. Um, as said, we'll kind of get into like kind of the the, the backlash and why. I think some people were are backlashing against Wonder Woman, but um, before we get into all of that, uh, do you prefer this movie to the original? Yeah, easy. Yeah, like, yeah mm. no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like I, re- I really, like I said, it's weird because I'm like I said, I've got so many issues with this second one, but the points where I was entertained, I that was it. I liked it. Like mm. you know, we remember we we spoke about the Wonder Woman movie on a fellow friends podcast um, quite quite a while back. My mother with Nigel and Tazzy. <coughs> sorry, I've been recovering from a cold, so sorry about that cough. But um, and I said there was like quite a few things that just really didn't sit with me. Like it, it felt like the first one couldn't make up his mind whether it wanted to be a serious comic book movie. Or like, so what I'd like to say is that a real, a real world-based comic book movie, or a comic book world-based comic book movie, and those are two things where some, some companies or some films have managed to merge the two or walk that fine line between the two, so you can excuse certain things. Uh, so, for example, um, Batman Begins is what I call a real world comic book movie. Like mm. everything, every not everything that you see in that film has some form of science fiction based in science fact that you can believe it and won't question it and I felt that the first Wonder Woman didn't really couldn't decide whether they wanted to be a superhero movie or because like someone has x amount of powers but you put them in a particular time set so now you need to kind of make everything balance out and I don't think they managed to pull that off but Wonder Woman 84 it just felt like I was watching like I said an episode of the Wonder Woman TV show with Linda Carter which clearly knew what it was trying to go for like slow-mo <laughs> slow-mo action shots you know picking up tanks using your headband to like take out cameras using your you know your lasso of truth to do like you know crazy amazing things like it was so tongue-in-cheek that I was like yeah I can mess with this at least I know what you want to do in it you know and it, re- and it reminded me so much of um Superman 2 with Christopher Reeve Mm. I mean, obviously, we know the shitstorm that was Superman 2 behind the scenes in regards to how they treat Richard Donner and they got the other guy to come and take over. But Superman 2 still has a, a tone that runs right, where it's just like, you know what? I like this campiness. And that's what I got from Wonder Woman 84, man. So, like, you know, it, it was when it was good, it was good. And when it was bad, it was bad. But at the same time, where it did the bad things, I was like, I'm not surprised because I reckon you probably had to go into that 80s way of thinking to even to add this in, mm. in, in, into this story. So, are we, I mean, are we, can we start talking about certain specific points in the film? Because I'll, Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, go I'll, for I'll, it, man. Let it flow. Like, you know, like, you know, like, um, like, let's put it this way, the whole Steve Trevor thing coming back to life, that is, if it, listen, if, you, if you're talking about 80s TV shows or 80s movies, 
it doesn't get more 80s than a partner or your soulmate who has died doing something you know amazing so that so much so that you'll never forget them nothing's more 80s than bringing them back to life with a magical rock or like you know <laughs> like you know what i mean like as far as i'm concerned bringing steve trevor back to life was their equivalent of um what's the name waking up in the shower in the episode of dallas and then she opens the shower door and bobby ewing is still alive so basically the whole season has, has, been, has all been a dream and mm. i was just like what like wow like this is so bad it's good so you know so like i said there are things that i question like that but i'm just like yeah i can fuck with it you know I, i'll give you a pass because i know clearly where your head is at and it's firmly set in this you know in you know, quite a camp fictional world, even down to the action. Mm. When you look at it, when you look at the action in Wonder Woman 84 and compare it to the action in Wonder Woman, once again, like I said, the first one is a lot more real, real world based in regards to how it approaches everything. So, you know, so like how she gets thrown about, how she, you know, the fighting style that she uses, um, the type of weapons that they use. Um, it's all very much like, you know, very real world based. Like you've got proper explosions, you know, you've got proper punches. Like when, you know, when someone gets hit, you can, you know, you can see, you know, the, the, the stages of, of what it takes to, you know, to portray in, 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 in a proper way. So you've got like, you know, the cock back, the impact of action, somebody, you know, getting thrown back, but it looks as if that's how it would look in real life. As opposed to say like with the 80s style of action, it's all of this stuff where gravity doesn't exist. It's almost like I can imagine when the Hong Kong stunt team came over to Hollywood the first time. And like and just showed like all the actors and, and stunt people that worked on westerns where it was a known thing where it's like hollywood hollywood and westerns they were quite rough and tumble and the hong, hong kong people just came oh nah man you're gonna break your fucking bones like that listen i'm gonna bring you some rigs and it's gonna make it look like a you know like a motherfucker can fly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know and that's what it feels like in wonder Woman 84 was that they just went you know what we're just gonna make this magical she's gonna have these powers she's gonna be this superhero but she's going to be like a superhero version of Mary Poppins. And I like that. <laughs> I, I, I do like that. Hmm. So, yeah. So it's, it's a love-hate relationship in regards to what they've given me on screen. But um, I could, like I said, I can understand why people will hate that, why hate, would hate this movie, especially if they like the first one, because it's two completely different tones. Completely hmm. different tones. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I said, we'll, we'll kind of get into why there, there was a backlash um, against this film, because I do think it is worthy of discussion um, to, to kind of discuss that. And I know you've, you've kind of touched on it a bit there. Um, but yeah, we definitely will get into it. But um, yeah, for me, I mean, again, I, I just like, I, you know, for, for me, the, the positives were... Um, the directing I felt was was really good, um, was was quite strong with, with certain scenes. Um Gal Gadot is is kind of or Gal Gadot, sorry, is yeah, her, her acting is, is patchy in this one. It is patchy. Um I felt mm. it was probably a bit better in, in the first one than it was in this one. Um because I think that maybe she kind of struggled a little bit with the tonal shifts in, in the film because it does um shift a lot between kind of like don't take this seriously don't take this seriously okay take this bit seriously now don't take it yeah. seriously don't take it seriously but take this bit seriously and so it kind of because there's that unevenness there um I think she may have, have, have had some difficulty at times 
Um, but overall, she's fine uh, again. And, you know, you can clearly, you know, as as, as I've said before about uh, the original Wonder Woman, you can clearly see how passionate she is about this character and how much it means to her to play this character. And I think, you know, that kind of comes through quite a lot in, in this movie as well. Um, in terms of the plot, I was just like, I was like, you know what, like you said, yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like, this is a film about a magic rock that the grass wishes. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, from, from when they established that from pretty early on in the piece, then you kind of just got to make your peace with it and say, okay, either this is for me or it's not for me. Um, and for me personally, like, you know, considering the kind of stuff I've I've watched, especially 80s movies that, that are quite commonplace, at, at having those kind of wild plots, um, you know, thinking of like the likes of King Solomon's Mines and, and things like that. Um, you know, there, there's always that kind of weird MacGuffin thrown in there that, that you know, this special object that does this thing that everybody needs to get. Um and as long as it's kind of played for laughs, which for the most yeah. part in this film it is, um, then I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll ride the train, you know, I'll, I'll go along yeah. for the ride and, and, and see where it leads me. Um, so for me, I was I was quite kind of comfortable with with that, really. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the whole kind of 80s filial and 80s vibe is is um, what kind of comes through quite well. I did think there were certain points where maybe they could have dialed it up even more a little bit, because mm. um, mm. in some ways they were actually kind of restrained when it came to the time setting. They really could have, you know, leaned on um, the, the, the 80s era a bit more. But mm. but what they did do, you know, they they did in in a fun way you know I wouldn't necessarily say it was excellent cinema but it was it was enjoyable to to me as a viewer and I think it should be enjoyable to most people um as a viewer when you understand that wider context and and where you know kind of where the story is pitched and and, and where those ideas are coming from so so for me it, you know I I had fun with it as I said I really did kind of have fun with it so um you know I, I don't have like major major issues or, or problems with with the way it kind of played out um but what did you think of um the characters specifically um and like kind of wonder woman and the journey that she goes on um through this story and how kind of steve trevor is integrated and how maxwell lord is integrated and how um, Kristen Wiig's character, I've forgotten the name, um, but Cheetah, obviously, I've forgotten her alter ego. Well, no, I've forgotten her alter ego's name is, is what I should uh, it doesn't, say. It doesn't um, matter, it's the 80s. How did you think like those characters were handled? Because, I mean, again, I'm not super well-versed in, in terms of Wonder Woman's comic book history, but I know... Um, this movie does change quite a few of the characters. I mean, particularly Maxwell Lord, there, there's quite a lot of, of change there in terms of um, what their comic book origins are as opposed to, to what we got in the movie. So how did that kind of sit with you as someone who kind of knows those characters and, and, and knows what they are normally presented like on on um, in comic books? How, how did you feel the, the movie handled that? Um, I, I mean, you know what? Once again, because of how, because of how it's set and where it's set, I was alright with it. Obviously, the Maxwell Lord that we see in this movie has some some slight differences to the comic book, but you know what it is like what they managed. What I think what they I feel they managed to do, once again in this particular setting. So you it, that's what allowed them to take 
certain types of liberties, they still maintain the essence of these characters. Like, you know, like, you know, like, it's, they still maintain the whole thing of like, you know, Maxwell Lord has some form of psychic powers, which is kind of basically by the end of the movie, that's what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Maxwell Lord is, you know, he is a businessman in a comic book. He is a businessman, albeit with no, you know, nefarious ideas. Um, but he's still that that businessman. Um, you know, it, you know, like basically like with Cheetah, you know, she still kind of follows the same type of origin story of, you know, just wanting to be the best person, you know, that person who's always been overlooked by everybody and, you know, and, and being jealous of Diana and, you know, and then becoming a Cheetah. Like the, the essence of the character is still there. Mm. Um, Steve Trevor, I mean, the issue I have with Steve Trevor and quite a few of the things that happened in this movie some things just didn't need to happen. Steve mm. Trevor didn't need to happen. No, 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 he, he didn't. He, he yeah. really didn't. <laughs> he really didn't. But, yeah, but at the same time, I look at them and like we said, when we've done a review of the first Wonder Woman, I feel that Chris Pine held the first movie up and Gal Gadot, even though she put in, you know, a good performance, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, I, I think if, if it was more focused on her, the film of the film would have fell down a bit more than, than you know than than you know but obviously because she had Chris Pine who's more of a veteran actor he was able to really uplift her and I felt that was one of the reasons why they brought Chris Pine back into the sequel but then at the same time you know what it is I look at them thinking of like an 80s movie and like they're literally sitting down like they, like I can imagine Warner Brothers had 80s day where they just pitched 80s 80s, you know, pitch 80, 80s movies of like, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do remake of this. So somebody came in and they were just like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to do the first film with the same actors and just bring them back. And they're like, hey, man, what do you mean? And he's going to turn on and go like, remember that film, Weekend at Bernie's? It's about <laughs> those two guys who, <laughs> like, who basically have to pretend that their neighbor is still alive. And it's the whole movie about them just taking a dead guy around and trying to trick people. Yeah. Remember they made a sequel about that. And in the sequel, it's about these two guys who find out that their dead neighbor is still dead and they need to trick more people to prove that he's still alive. Yeah, let's just do that. And they just went, <laughs> you're hired. I reckon that's what they did when they decided to bring back Chris Pine for Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, like because there's no need for him to be in it. No, you know I mean? no. And um, and even when they do bring him in it, the way they how they bring him in it and the way how they get rid of him. There's so many questions that need to be asked. But once again, there's one of those things like, literally, I think you could say like, well, when he, when Steve Trevor finally decides to leave Diana so she can regain her powers and the body that he was inhabiting, where, you know, which to be honest, he didn't really have to inhabit the body, but, you know, they made the mistake of doing that. So that guy that he was in, what happens to that guy now? Does he have memories of Steve Trevor being a part of his body or does he not remember anything? And the guy would just turn on and be like, it doesn't matter. It's the 80s. I <laughs> exactly. guarantee you that's what they did. <laughs> I guarantee you that's what they did. I swear down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah, the whole Steve Trevor thing, I'm, uh, I was just like, this is so unnecessary. I don't understand why you've done this. Um, I mean, some people got angry about it for some reason and, and were, were, were saying oh she's raping him 
and I just find that a really. <laughs> I should even laugh. I don't know. Listen, sorry. I just find no. I, I, I to be honest, I I was just like, what? <laughs> like, did what? This is the hill you want to die on with, with this movie and this character? I, I I don't I don't get that take. Yeah, it's weird, but like, come on, <laughs> like it's flipping Wonder Woman eighty four, and you've just seen what's preceded like this movie for the last thirty minutes, and this is the thing you're going to have an issue with. Mm, um, mm, mm. But. Yeah, the the whole thing's odd. Like, yeah, I don't get what happens to that dude. Like, <laughs> you know, just he, he just kind of like when Steve Trevor leaves at that point in the film, it, it's just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, off you go now, fella. <laughs> yeah, Run yeah, along, yeah. be free. You know, you are free, be free. Um, so yeah, that that was all a bit kind of weird uh, for me. But um, but yeah, I said not a hill I'm prepared to die on or anything. It, it just was odd. Um, but I mean, for me, I think, um, you know, again, not being that well versed in in all of the, the characters' comic book origins, I think kind of the things that the movie does kind of make sense to me, uh, I guess. Um, you know, some people I saw had an issue with Cheetah and, and felt that Cheetah's uh, motivations, Chris and Wiggs' character's motivations were a little bit flimsy. And yeah, I guess they kind of are. Um but again, you know, the, the big caveat that you've got to add is 80s, you know, yeah, on the end yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, if you understand that this is, you know, a, a Wonder Woman movie set in the 1980s and around the tropes of the 1980s, then, you know, you kind of you, you kind of just get on with it, really, and, and, and accept it for what it is. Um, so for me, you know, I, I was quite kind of comfortable with that. Um, that said, uh, uh, you know, she... Kristen Wiig just gives a Kristen Wiig performance. So there's, apart from kind of when her character slightly shifts um, and she starts to become evil, um, then, you know, she she starts um, portraying a bit more menace and, and things like that. But, um, you know, there wasn't anything that really kind of stood out about her performance for me personally. Um, yeah. I thought she was just fine, I guess. Um the CGI towards the end when she makes the, the transformation and stuff is a bit like, eesh, okay. <laughs> Some of this has been reshot and reshot hastily. Mm, mm. Um, but, you know, it, it, otherwise, it, it, she's, she's kind of fine, I guess. Um, Maxwell Lord, uh, Pedro Pascal, he's just amazing. I love Pedro Pascal so much. Um, and in this film, he's he's just insane. Like, but the thing is, I think he's probably one of the few people who picked up the script, read it, and was like, "Okay, this 80s. is madness." So he let went, me no, just turn up 80s. on set day one and just be a madman, <laughs> and then we'll go with that. Because um, he, yeah, he he just seems to be having a whale of a time um, playing Maxwell Lord throughout this movie. And um, again, motivations you could argue were a bit flimsy, and in, in his case. Um, but, you know, again, 80s. <laughs> so we're just mm, going to keep mm. repeating this, listeners, sorry. But, um, you know, 80s, it is what it is. That's what they did in the 80s. That's kind of the, uh, the bag and the MO. And again, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, because of the time period that this film is set in and because of the fact that they wanted to use um, the 80s as the setting for... Uh, this story and these characters I think you kind of have to take on board that there are some tropes I mean you can do it the other way you can do it in the way Stranger Things does in which they kind of 
you know, they, they kind of dip a toe into the nostalgia of the 80s, but it's a very mm. modern kind of take and, and very modern sensibilities with a lot of the characters that you find in there, even though there are some occasional, you know, 80s tropes, whereas Wonder Woman 84 has kind of gone all in on it, which, again, I, I just don't have an issue with because, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of 80s movies anyway. So, you know, it's never going to be that much of a problem for me, really. Um but yeah, let's talk uh, specific scenes and stuff. So um, was there any kind of like outstanding uh, action scenes and, and things that worked? And consequently, was there any scenes that you felt were a bit like, nah, this, this is a bit too much? Yeah, you know what? what like, obviously, we've discussed how like, for the next episode, we're going to do like a little bit of a reboot in regards to the DC EU anyway. And more than, so, like, so we're obviously going to look at some of the films that are already in the franchise, like Wonder Woman 84. And I just think there's certain scenes that you could still keep in this film, but just either rearrange it so it makes more sense in regards to the overall arching story. And so like I said, so I'll start with the positive. So like one of the scenes that I really, really did like was um, Wonder Woman versus the tanks. I love that, man. Mm. That scene, that, listen, that scene and basically the... Um, the, what's it called? The, oh, which bit know, was she against the tanks again? I've forgotten when that oh, was. Oh, when, when, she, when, she's, when she's running up the what's it called? When she's basically, she actually catches up with Maxwell Lord and he's just taken over, like, I think that the Saudi Arabian country. And Oh, um, the bit in um, the Egypt bit, you mean? The, the is, is Egypt, chase yeah? in Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, it's in Egypt. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, that bit there. Yeah, that scene was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called, I, love I, that. Think, I think it's called, I think this, the, the actual song is called Just On the Road, right? Mm. And it's the mixture. Well, number one, let's talk about the music. The music for Wonder Woman 84, Hans Zimmer has easily created one of the best superhero themes ever. Mm. And I think with Wonder Woman 84, he's actually topped himself. Mm-hmm. Like he took the same song and just made it 10 times better, but made it once again, stay within the 80s feel of the movie. It feels more like a, a, you know, original Superman 1970s superhero march. Like the original Superman theme is called the Superman March. You know, it's meant to be, it's meant to be uplifting. And, you know, you know, when you listen to it, you've got your, you know, your head held high and your chest puffed up. And Mm. I felt that song or that music really went with the movie. But that song in particular, On the Road, where she's, she gets out of the car and just like in the 80s, when she steps out of the car, next time you see her, she's automatically changed her costume. Listen, do you know how happy that makes me feel? Because it's so, <laughs> it's so shit and it makes no sense. But I like it because sometimes I just want to watch something and be like, that's so fake, but I don't care. Like, I like that, right? So there's that. The fact that she's fighting against tanks and doing things like picking tanks up and jumping in the tanks, like to me, this is, it felt like a scene that they would have filmed in the 1980s Linda Carter TV show if they had the money. So if they had the wire rigs and enough green screen and enough basically like, you know, you know um, stunt tanks that they could have used, they would have tried to film this scene with, with Linda Carter. Like I can imagine them doing it. I'd like to see if there's someone's done it on YouTube already where they've taken that scene and just put 80s sound effects in and stuff like that. Like, mm. like, I'd like to see a jump over the tank and, and hear that that noise go. Like, I like that scene. You know, as quick, quick, as crazy and as wacky as it is, they went all out crazy with the type of powers that she portrayed. That you know, that that, that she portrays on screen in that scene. 
Um, and it's actually really well set up. Like even and it, it manages to include Steve Trevor in it as well. So it was one of those things where when you watch the film, like Steve Trevor, he's got a few things to do here and there. But in regards to that that bit, they could have just left him to the wayside and let you know Wonder Woman participate in all of the action. But even he gets in on it as well. So like they understand clearly what they're doing in that scene. But then it then makes me think of like that's the issue that I have with this film. This film is not one coherent film. It's a film that's just that has really good scenes, and then the in between bits just you just maybe go like, I really don't need this. I mm. just, you know, I just I just wanna I just want I just wanna bounce. Just that's what I felt like when I was watching this. So that scene is really good. Um, I think one of the scenes that really really did annoy me was when uh, Kristen Wiig's character, before she becomes a cheater, you know, when she becomes accosted, when she gets accosted by that guy in the park. And, you know, like, he's just like, hey, like, you know, he's, you know, he's staying a normal 80s type of thing, like, hey, sexy lady, you know, you've got some nice legs and stuff like that. And he's got like, a, you know, a, a Mac trench coat on, then he's sitting on a park bench, you know, like he's, he looks like a typical sleazebag guy. You know, like, you know, like he would take money out of a blind man's jar. Mm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But when he goes to, a, you know, try and attack her, the issue that I had with that is because obviously Wonder Woman is, you know, she's a hero for, you know, you know, for women to look up to of all colors, all creeds, all ages. And she's meant to, you know, show that you have the strength to deal with particular types of situations. And the issue that I had with that scene is that when he does try to attack Kristen Wiig's character, I didn't feel any threat and it felt so tongue in cheek, so tongue in cheek and so cringy that I felt that that type of scene was lost on, it was probably lost on quite a few people where I think they could have actually gone a bit dark in that scene and really dealt with, you know, some of the things that some women have to deal with, or not some, a lot of women have to deal with on a day-to-day basis with like, you know, men whistling at them because they're wearing a particular type of dress and then saying that, you don't even have to be wearing a particular type of dress. You could be wearing sweatpants and a fucking oversized hoodie. And some guys are still going to feel that they have the privilege, you know, to try and holler at you. You know what I mean? Mm. So mm. I felt that in that scene, it could have been played just a little bit darker. Just a little bit more serious, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little bit more serious. So mm. when she does become a cheater and she does get her comeuppance on him, like there's, a, you, you really feel the fire and the anger that she has when she goes to put him in his place. You, you know what I mean? There wasn't a scene in that that reminded me of in Superman 2, like when Superman 2 loses his powers and there's just this brief little second where he gets beat up by the bully in the cafe and he looks down at, at his nose and the first thing he says is like, he's like, he's like blood. Like, you know, like, like he, he's, never, he's, never, he's never bled before in his whole entire life. And it's just that little bit of seriousness where you've watched this film in, you know, you've watched two Superman films and nobody's been shot, nobody's been blown up nobody's bled so when you know and if it has it's done in a tongue-in-cheek way or you don't really see it so when you do see the sight of blood it does kind of hammer home like oh this isn't a joke this hero is you know this hero is really really hurt there's that little bit of seriousness and I felt if there was any time when we needed a bit of seriousness in that film it would have been that scene for me Mm. I'm going to put it out there and say that well you know what I'm a guy watching that scene Mm. I'm not going to be able to speak for women but I'd like to know any women or any female viewers that did watch that film how they did feel about that scene and if they if they you know whether they agree or they don't agree 
can they see from my point of view how I would see that? So yeah, so that, mm. that's so so basically what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give you one good scene that stood out to me that I would that standardly go towards, and one bad scene. So that's gonna be those two. But I've got a few other nits and you know bits and bobs that I can easily pick apart in this film. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, I think again the Egypt chase scene is is by far and away the, the best action scene in the movie. It's, it's just, it's so, so well done, uh, well filmed. You know, the, the special effects look great in, in that scene as well. There's a couple of cool things that, that Wonder Woman does, um, a couple of cool stunts and, and, and things that, that happen in that scene um, that were just awesome to watch on, on, on the screen as well. Um, and it, it's perfectly well paced as well. And I was like, my God, this is like such an amazing scene. Um, so yeah, you know, I really enjoyed that. Um, pretty much any of the, the, the time she was like kicking ass and taking names, I was like, okay, I'm in, <laughs> like, I'm yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm enjoying it. You know, I like the fight scene at the white house, um, when they first encounter, uh, uh, Cheetah and, and, and Maxwell Lord at the white house and, and have that battle there with, um, Steve Trevor, uh, that I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, I think the the I, a scene that a lot of people have an issue with, but I really liked was um, the uh, scene where they get into the invisible jet. Um, yeah, it's absolutely contrived. Yes, um, it's you know totally tacked on fan service, whatever you want to call it. Um, but again, it was just so kind of cheesy good rather than cheesy bad that that I was just kind of like you know I I had a good feeling watching that scene. Um, even though it just makes no sense in in mm. this world, um, yeah. but in a way, I kind of like the fact that they just didn't bother to really kind of explain it too tough. They just were like, "Oh, Diana's yeah. always had this power to make things invisible. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, we'll just yeah, kind of yeah, move. Yeah. Just keep it moving. It's, it's fine. 80s. Keep it moving. It's don't 80s. don't look. Exactly. <laughs> 80s, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I kind of um, in in a way, I kind of got a kick out of that as well. Um, so yeah, you know, that, that was kind of like the, the scenes that I really enjoyed when the plot was kind of really, um, picking up and when we were getting those, uh, moments, um, uh, another scene that a lot of people seem to have a problem with that I loved was, um, her swinging through the clouds on, on the lasso, um, riding the lightning. Oh, no, wait, wait, listen, that scene was bad. I like yeah. It. Yeah. Like people hated I like it. it. I, I loved yeah, it. I, like <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> But um, yeah, people people really hated that scene for some reason. Um, again, like because I was just like, well, this is exactly what I would imagine, um, you know, Linda Carter doing in in the eighties TV show if they had the budget yeah. for it. So yeah, yeah, like to me, you know, this it's just kind of them paying homage to um, to that side of of the Wonder Woman character and and that you know that part of Wonder Woman's history and. Um, you know, and, and keeping the fandom happy. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, to be honest. Um, I think for me, the, the scenes where it doesn't really work is where you kind of have to get down. And I, I think the example that you picked, um, while I wouldn't necessarily pick that, I understand why you picked it, because I think that's where the film falls down, is when it does need to kind of get into the nitty gritty and to get quite serious. Um, it doesn't feel like it does like the um, the scene after kind of the White House fight and then um, 
Steve Trevor's injured and he, you know, uh, Wonder Woman kind of carries him away. And then it's like, oh, you know, he's like, you've got to have to let me go, Diana. And he's, and she's like, no, I don't want to let you go. And that was kind of, um, even, even under the, you know, 80s uh, disclaimer that that was a bit mm. hammy for me and I was a bit like yeah the, <laughs> the acting here is kind of ropey and the dialogues are really not landing um mm. so that was what a, a scene that you know that popped into my head as, as like a bit like Ooh. yeah um and I said the kind of the confrontation <coughs> between Wonder Woman and, and Cheetah towards the end of the film as well mm. um I felt was let down a bit visually um it, it just it just didn't look great to me, to be honest. Um, it, it looked very kind of cheap and it looked like something that had been reshot. Um, and there was a hell of a lot of reshoots on this film, um, which also mm. explains why I think the tone is a bit all over the place at, at times yeah. as well, because there's clearly bits where the story was going in one direction and then they changed their mind, went back and rewrote it and shot something else. Um, mm. So I think, you know, that that kind of plays a part into how it feels and how it flows overall as, as a movie. Um, but yeah, kind of those, you know, those kind of like the dramatic moments in, in the film. And I said, you, you picked mm. your example and um, I can totally understand why you picked it as well. Um, it, it's those moments, I think, that uh, the film kind of trips itself up on really. Um, mm. So yeah, you know, that's fair enough. Um, did you want to d- discuss some more scenes? Yeah, in fact, you know, I was, I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna pick up on that scene that you said that you didn't like. The funny thing is, you know what? Like, obviously, when we do this DC EU reboot, they'll, you know, I'll, I'll be able to go into a lot more depth than what I would have done with Wonder Woman eighty four. But that scene is done well for me, but it doesn't work because what it's tied to doesn't really get mentioned again up until that point when he has to. When he has to give himself up, mm. and it's what, and and so like basically the thing that I find about this movie is that the film is too busy. It's yes. too much happening, yeah. mm-hmm. and so like at the beginning you've got the whole thing where she gets taught that lesson as a kid that right well, you know you have to always tell the truth and sometimes what you really want isn't what you deserve you have to work for it right so technically that's the the, the cautionary tale that they're trying to tell you when you know Steve Trevor is going oh you have to let me go the the scene itself is is well done I think is you know like you said it, it fits the tone of the movie that we're in but I think number one it happens in the wrong place and number two because you've kind of forgotten that cautionary tale that she was taught at the beginning by the time it comes up you're just like what are you doing man like just carry on with the story like why are you trying to make me remind remember stuff that happened literally like an hour and 45 minutes ago like I'd like if you haven't reminded me before then don't try and, and ram it down my throat right now because like now, like, I, I want to move forward. Mm. And that's the issue that I have with this. Like, you've got that cautionary tale thing that she's meant to, you know, that she's meant to learn twice in her life. One as a child, one as an, one as an adult. You've now got the cheater who has been overlooked and wants to be the best that can, she can be so she's noticed. You've got Maxwell Lord who wants to be the best that he can be because he wants to be noticed. You've got Steve Trevor who's come back to life to teach Diana the lesson of like you know what just because you want something doesn't mean you should have it and then you've also got a little subplot MacGuffin story of like oh who did that armor belong to it belonged to another Amazon yada 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 I'm just like there's like five six stories happening on here man what's <laughs> going on like, like, you know, it, ba- it bounces all over the place and that's mm. the issue it becomes so busy 
that you're just like, I just want a nice, simple story. And I think because the way how it's told, like I heard someone say something um, a couple of weeks, um, well, a couple of weeks ago in regards to how they were going to re review something. Like if I, if I was to look at Wonder Woman as an album, and I wouldn't, it, no way would it be like, you know, a good first album or a good second album or a good third album. And no way would it be a classic. I would like to call it something which you would say it's, um, it's got classic hits in it. It's a greatest hits album. Mm. So if you've got an album that's got 10 songs in it, if you might have like five songs in it that are good and five songs in it that are rubbish. But it's worth picking up just to listen to those five songs. So the first track might be Wicked, but the second and the third track might be rubbish. So you just might skip to the fourth. And you don't really mind it because when you do get to the good track, you're like, you know what? I'm liking this. And I feel that's how Wonder Woman 84 plays out as a movie. It's a greatest hits. So you might watch the beginning where she's doing the whole trials as an Amazon and you're liking it because you're just like, wow, you know what? This was that to be an Amazon. It's amazing. And that story feels like it has no forbearing on the film itself, hmm. but you can just fuck with that scene. And then the bit where, you know, she's fighting against the tanks and it's like, okay, it, it's well done, but it's, you can tell it's just easy, just an action plot device. I can, I can fuck with that scene. The whole thing with Steve Trevor, he's, you know, he comes back to life. Like, man, like, you know, you've kind of dragged this storyline on a bit and we've left too many answers you know, unanswered. But you know what? I can fuck with that scene. But you'd have to jiggle it around in order to make it a good album. Um, yeah, and, and that's how I feel Wonder Woman sit. That's how it sits on me, man. So, like, it's, it's almost like, you know what it is? It's a guilty pleasure. Mm. It's a guilty pleasure album. Yeah. Or a guilty yeah. pleasure film, so to speak. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that kind of sums up how I feel about the movie, really. Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure kind of film, as you said. It's one of those things that you kind of, you know, if you want to examine it and pull it apart, it's crap. Um, it, it generally is crap. Uh, yeah. But there's enough kind of cheesy goodness to to kind of get you through it. Um, so you're just kind of like, you know what? It's crap. I know it's crap. Um, but it makes me feel good, so fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, 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 you know what? You know, how, how about is. this? Because we've had conversations with people that, that really, really hated this movie. So like we said... Well, yeah, I was going to get into um, the backlash, actually, next. So, yeah, go. Okay, okay. No, 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 go for it. Get into the backlash, because, like, I think there's, there's pretty much an easy way to deal with this bullshit backlash that you had, yeah? And I think, like, once we get into... Once we really delve into it, we'll just be able to break that down, because it, it, it just... It's just common sense. But yeah, run a bit, man. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. No, it was literally just to ask the question, really, um, as, as to why, um, you know, because I, I I know we've kind of talked about it briefly offline. But um, yeah, it was just to get a sense of, of what your take on was, what your take is on why some people had such a strong backlash to this movie, because, you know, it, it when it first came out, the initial batter of reviews were were good. Um, you know, most people were saying positive things about it. And then slowly, slowly, you started to see a lot of negative reviews coming back. And, um, you know, there seemed to be a, a myriad of complaints uh, about the, the movie and, and things that were telling people, yeah, they don't like it because of, you know, X, Y and Z. Um, and a lot of these reasons to me on the surface either seemed like 
complaints about the the film itself and its structure which i i can understand because again as said if if you know the history behind this particular film you know that there were a lot of research shoots done and a lot of rewrites done to the script um you know patty jenkins herself has talked a little bit about kind of the amount of studio interference they've had on this film as well um and and how really they they've not been quite able to tell the, the story that they wanted to tell which should surprise nobody if you know Warner Brothers history with DC films at, at this point but um uh the, you know there were there were issues there and then some people were said had picked like really specific things like Steve Trevor and he, he's being raped he's being raped which is, is just a, a as I said, is to me is just a weird hill to to choose to die on. But if you know if that's what you want to do, then hey, go have a you know go go ahead and, mm-hmm. and knock yourself out. I mean, if if that's um, you know the one thing that's going to turn you off of this movie. Um, but a lot of people, it seems like, just didn't get the the, the kind of eighties tone and and what setting the movie in the 80s means in terms of mm. you know how the film is going to be presented and things like that so a lot of things seem to go over people's heads but but um yeah it was just to kind of ask you really for your kind of take on it and, and why you think people have, have missed kind of some of the, the things that seem so obvious to us really when we watched it mm. um you know what it is i think it literally just boils down to i think people felt duped in regards to what they thought they were going to get and what they when what they actually did get like I, I have to admit like when i watched the movie i didn't know it was going to feel have that 80s feel to it i generally didn't like but because i understood what i feel it was trying to do i gave obviously i gave it its pass and i you know and i, I understood it whereas like i think it went over quite a lot of people's heads so mm. i remember having a conversation with like with, with, some, with some family members and with some friends and, and so like quite a few people and I was just like do you remember like my thing was do you read Wonder Woman comic books and they'd be like like no I don't I was like okay then cool fair enough so like you've just been introduced you know maybe what through the cartoons through Justice League cartoons yeah some people did some people didn't so and then like and then people that didn't I was like okay cool so where, where do you know Wonder Woman from and I might be like okay cool I know we're from Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice and yeah, that's about it. So that like, was a mishmash of, of what people knew or where they knew Wonder Woman from. So if people are going off basically what they've seen in the first Wonder Woman, like I said, which is what I consider to you know lean more towards a real world comic book based film, and then to come into this 90s, 1980s set kind of movie, it, it, it was a shock, man. It's, mm. it's generally a shock. Like mm. to be fair, I can imagine when they watched Wonder Woman 84, they felt the same way how George Clooney and Harvey Keitel and all them people in Dust from Dust or Dawn, when they go into the Tweet Twister, and basically halfway through, the, like, you know, the first half of the first hour of the film, <laughs> mm. it changes into, like, the vampire den. Mm. Like, how they felt and how everyone in the cinema felt watching these guys changing the vampires, uh, how the people felt when they were watching Wonder Woman 84. They were just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Mm. <laughs> like, you know, you know, I don't believe in vampires, but I believe what my eyes tell me. So... So I think that's one of the things that really threw people off. And once again, I can't blame them. I can't blame them. Like, if I was to try and pitch this film or to sell this film, I would essentially say this. If you can honestly hand on your heart, say that you're a fan of all parts of, like, geek culture, so you collect the comic books, you know, you like the films, you know, you've been reading from 
all you know, read the comic books from all different eras. You like the TV shows, all of the TV shows, whether they've been set in the 90s or whether they've been made in the 70s or 80s. If you can sit down and honestly say that you can watch an episode of The Incredible Hulk, an Incredible Hulk rerun, or an episode of Wonder Woman 84, and you won't sit there and criticize it for what it is because of when it was made, then you will appreciate the film and the flaws that you see in it, you'll be able to like just put, push it to the side. If you're not that way inclined to enjoy that type of thing, then you will not enjoy Wonder Woman 84. And I feel that it didn't say that on the tin. <laughs> like, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Especially with the good reaction, with, 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 the, with such a good receiving that the first one got, you, you know what I mean? So it literally came left field. And I, and I can, you know, I don't blame people for being upset. Like, I, I can imagine they probably felt like they were lied to. Mm. Because technically, when you make a sequel, the sequel is meant to be bigger, badder, faster, stronger, harder than the original. And everything that it does do in the sequel, it's not done in the same way. So you can therefore, therefore argue that it's like, nah, man, like you've actually toned stuff down. Like I had people complaining about the bit where she's fighting on the road, you know, that, that Egypt road that I'm saying that I love. And they're like, no, it looked fake. And I was like, I like the fact that it looked fake. Like, this is the type of film that, once again, if it was set in the 80s, I would expect to be able to see that thick black line around Linda Carter's body to <laughs> blatantly tell me that she's running in front of a green screen. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I want, I want mm-hmm. that. So, but at the same time, you know, like you said, you can see how that can backfire on people, you know? Mm. But again, also, like, what, what, did, what does that mean? It looked fake. Like, everything in, in comic book <laughs> movies looks fake. Like, there really is nothing that you can point to and you could go, yeah, that looks real. Like, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing does. Not really. Not if you're looking at it closely. All of it does. Uh, you know, CGI quality can, can vary. Um, mm. But ultimately, it's all fake. So, like, it looked fake is not really a complaint, is it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I so uh, you know it, that is a kind of example of the the kind of complaints I've seen as well, and and that yeah. annoys me because it doesn't like the the you know what you just described as in people perhaps feeling you know they got a, a, a faulty product or they got they didn't get what they were looking for from this film. I can kind of understand that to an extent because as, as you said, the 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 first movie is. A, a very different animal in terms of the way it's presented, in terms of, um, you know, the plot that it follows and, and, and Diana's journey in that movie and things like that. It, it feels like a quite different animal to this one, which is very 80s, very kitsch, very kind of, you know, aiming for, for that type of um, uh, a vibe for the film. So, yeah, you know, I can, I can appreciate that. I disagree with it, but I can appreciate people who, who would feel that they've not got what they were going into the movie for. But but people who come up with complaints like that, oh, I look fake. Like, okay, and yeah, like, you know, it is fake. Like, what 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 what's your point? I don't, you know, what what exactly is your point in there? Because I, I guarantee you, you give me an example of the film that you like, that you would compare to that, and I'll show you a scene in that film that looks fake. Because hmm. guess what? It's it's about a magical person you know, who's, uh, Wonder Woman's probably what, by this point, a hundred years old, who's yeah. doing flips over, slow-mo flips over trucks. Like, w- w- how did you want that to look? <laughs> did you want it to look like, I don't know, you know, like, did you want it to look like some kind of 4D chess model bullshit? I, d- I don't know. <laughs> like, so statements like that just annoy me because it's just, it's an empty nothing statement. 
if you're going to make a complaint about it, you know, come with a complaint. Like, don't go, oh, it looks fake. Uh, that, that means nothing. Everything looks fake. Your favourite, as I said, you bring me your favourite film and I'll show you a bit in that film that looks <laughs> fake. So, um, you know, a, a lot of that kind of backlash, as said, just kind of, it, it went over my head, to be honest, because I was kind of like, as I said, apart from the, the example that you gave, um, you know, which I can understand and, and I can appreciate that. Like it is tonally very different to what we got from, from uh, the previous Wonder Woman film. So I can understand why, if you were a fan of that movie coming into this movie and seeing this might be like, whoa, what the hell is this? You know, um, so I can totally dig that. But yeah, the, the, the other complaints that they said, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, we, we both said we didn't think the Steve Trevor thing was necessary and that could have gone. Um, you know, the, the 80s setting, I felt they could have linked into it even more in, in some cases and they didn't really. Um, but otherwise, like, you know, the, it, it, the complaints, I, I just don't understand. And especially when we get to talking about our next film as well, because some of these Ooh. same people were, taught, were telling me that this film is genius and this film does exactly the same things as, as Wonder Woman 84, but yeah. we'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, what would you, how would you rank this out of the DC uh, EU movies so far? Where would um, Wonder Woman 84 end up on? on the list for you and, and would you give it a, a final score as well yeah um i'd probably give it like a two, two no you know what a two and a half out of five three out of five so mm. that's like a, a c c minus mm -hmm. like and that's not a bad score i've noticed like when people start seeing c's and stuff like that that's not a bad score that's like you know what i can you know i can i can i can watch you you know what like you know what i mean like there's certain films like it can be on in the background and i won't turn it off i just know that i don't need to sit down and pay attention to it that's 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 how i would score this movie you know um like i said unfortunately if you're not a fan of the period in which it's kind of trying to pay homage to then it's more than likely you're not going to enjoy this movie so don't waste your time because the plot holes in the movie are, you know they're quite you know they, they kicks in the teeth they slaps in the face you know they, they kind of take like out and out liberties um so yeah i mean yeah I'd, I'd, I'd literally just put it just put it down to that like you know mm. give it a go but don't but don't feel like it's going to be the most amazing thing you've ever watched because the majority of people that i know that do watch it and did enjoy it they still know that it's not the amazing thing they've ever watched as well you know so like they're pretty it pretty wonder woman i think pretty much knows what it what, it, what it's about um yeah so that's yeah so i'd say i'd give it like a, a c c minus c minus cool cool um for me i think i'd probably give it a three out of five um so i guess about a c um so yeah more or less roughly the same as you i would say to be honest mm. um yeah and again I, I you know you kind of summed it up perfectly really i, I guess know what you're getting into before you get into it um, mm. is, is what I would say with uh, One Woman 84 and you know as long as you're somebody who kind of enjoys um, the, the kind of pastiche and, and the kind of um, you know 80s uh, uh, vibe to a film or, or to a, you know a, a thing that you're watching then you'll get on all right with it and th there is some fun to be had there as said um, so you know you, you can enjoy it just don't go in expecting a masterpiece um because that's not what this film is sadly yeah. um 
but yeah, I think we'll leave it there for the Wonder Woman chat uh, for the time being. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was just to say where would you rank the film in the kind of oh yeah, where would I rank it? EU movies. Um, it's definitely one that I would rewatch, and I have rewatched it quite a few times. But like I said, I've rewatched it in a way where I just fast forward and jump to certain you know certain things. But um, it's better than Batman versus Superman. Um, well, that's not hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's better than Batman versus Superman. It's actually better than. Is yeah, you know what? It's better than Man of Steel. Even though, like I said, there's parts of Man of Steel that I really do appreciate, but I think it's it gets lost. Man of Steel kind of gets lost in its own ether. Uh, you know, and the next one that we're going to ask you mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Okay, you know, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, it gets lost in its own ass, isn't it? Right. So, um, you know, and we're going to talk about that with the next film from this guy. So yeah, so I'd I'd rank it quite highly, but then once again, when we've spoken about the DC EU, like there, there's not a lot of films, if any films in there, which are amazing. Like you know, Aquaman is an enjoyable film, but Aquaman isn't an amazing movie. <laughs> you know what I mean mm. and that's if that's the like you know and Shazam back to the life Shazam's quite an, it's a really enjoyable movie but once again that's not a film I've gone back and rewatched more than once I think it kind of gets the job done then it, you know then it just kind of just parts off much like Aquaman so I'd probably put Wonder Woman 84 like in, in third place and that, I know it's going to be controversial because Aquaman and Shazam I'd probably put one and two and then for like in third place I'd put Wonder Woman 84 and then you've got like, you know, then obviously you've got the Suicide Squads and the bloody, you know, Birds of Prey movie. And it's just a bit of a mishmash. But mm. technically, if, th- if this was a school, this would be the really, really bad class. And the best person in the bad class is still a bad egg when compared to like the people in the good class. So, yeah, man. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, for the record, I, I, I think I'm, again, probably about in line with you, to be honest. I would probably put it somewhere around third or fourth place on on um, the, the list of DCEU films currently out at the moment. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that falls kind of in line, really. Cool. All right. Thanks, listeners. Um, make sure you send us your thoughts on Wonder Woman 84 as well and let us know how you feel about the movie um and whether you liked it or whether you disliked it you know let us know we're open to hearing all kinds of opinions so uh, by all means get in touch if you listen to the end of the podcast you'll find a, a short trailer at the end that will tell you how you can get in touch with us on social media and carry on the conversation okay uh so let's move on so w- the next movie we're going to talk about is um one that has been highly anticipated by um well some people um on the internet um and is a movie that came with a lot of fanfare and has a long and complex history behind it um again we're not gonna really go into you know kind of what's gone on around and continues to go on around this movie especially if you've been following the news recently in relation to um ray fisher the actor and and him speaking to the hollywood reporter quite openly about his experiences filming the first version of this film um or rather the reshot version of this film that that became the first theatrical cut of the film 
um, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, so we'll we'll cover that when we do our, our DCEU chat and, and our broad kind of talk about where DC on film is right now. Uh, but instead, we're just going to focus on the four bloody hour opus that is Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. Um, initially, when this was announced, uh, Rich and I kind of talked a little bit about um, the, the movie getting a, a re-release on HBO Max and, and what our thoughts are on it. And at the time there was talk that it might come out as like a mini series. So it would be broken up into parts. And, and um, so you'd be able to kind of watch it as a mini series, but ultimately uh, I think the decision was made to just release it as, as one uh, four hour cut of, uh, of the movie. Um, so this is essentially for those that don't know, I mean, unless you're living under a rock or something, <laughs> but um, essentially this is the uh, unfiltered version um, and the true vision that Zack Snyder wanted for Justice League when he envisaged filming that movie and, and, and wrote it, writing that movie and, and so on. So uh, essentially what we got is his, uh, as he says, un, un, unfiltered and, you know, um, pure vision for uh, Justice League and, and for the characters involved in that. So, um, yeah, Rich, what was uh, your overall thoughts on the movie when you first watched it? Um, and did you have any kind of expectations going into it? I mean, again, you know, you don't have to necessarily repeat yourself because I said we have kind of discussed this um, before, but, you know, for the record, um, you know, what were your kind of thoughts and expectations going in? Um, you know what? I was just, I was really hoping for some, let's put it this way. This is the first time in a long time where someone has been given the option, or not even option, like I'm trying to think of it, like what, what's a really good word? Has, has they've, they've been given a second chance to make something in the original vision that they were given. So for me, not to be bad or anything, like I said, I'm a Zack Snyder fan. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a really, really big Zack Snyder fan. And even the films that I really do fault, such as Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel, I see the vision of what he's tried to do in certain places. I just don't agree with some of the decisions that he has made, right? Hmm. But like I said, you've now, you, you had a film that was taken away from you and it was butchered by Joss Whedon, but we can get into that in regards to basically what we were given because I, 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 there's someone in particular that I blame for that. Um, so, you know, you've now been given another, another option to tell the story how you originally wanted to tell it. So not only have they said that, we're not going to confine it to the normal times of how long, you know, the usual standard film runs for, which is now being bumped up to about three hours, including credits. Let's say, for example, Avengers Endgame, right? You're allowed to have a four-hour mark, a four-hour movie. And on top of that, we're going to give you another an extra 70 or 100 mil to finish off the scenes that, were, that you didn't finish. Like, you know, like, this is mad. This is essentially, <laughs> who's, that bas- who's that basketball player? that cheated on his girlfriend and when he got caught and he bought us a mad ring and like when he did a press conference everybody would just say like the great the ring is just glistening it was that LeBron, LeBron James or something obviously I don't uh, want to put it up. oh god I, I can't remember now who that was you, you know what I mean but it's, yeah but I know I, I remember when the story came out yeah yeah I can't yeah, remember yeah, which yeah. player it was now yeah yeah so, 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 so that's what it felt like so it felt like the whole thing of like listen baby like Zach you know we, we treat you wrong baby like come, come home come come home to daddy and, you know, I'm going to buy you the biggest diamond ring and I'm going to show you that I still care about you. 
that's what he was given, right? And so when I look at all of that, I don't expect anything less than an epic, excellent saga, which I would probably put on the same level as a film like The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or any of those kind of religious movies, like, you know, that, those epic movies that are like three and a half hours long that you'd go to your grandparents' house and they'd make you watch on Easter Sunday. And the film is so long that they need to cut it into two parts. So you watch one part on Easter Sunday and you watch the other part on Easter Monday. I wanted that type of epicness. If I wasn't going to get that, I wasn't going to settle for it's good or it's okay. Because I'm just like, you've had a chance now to really tell the story. So I went into this movie with really, really high expectations, especially considering the fact that I am a Zack Snyder fan. And once again, I look at this movie and to me, it's not a classic. Um, it's it's one that is a greatest hits album. That's what it is. It's a, it's a greatest hits album. Like it has scenes which I really, really like and I really, really love. But forget going back to rewatch it, which I have done, but watching it on the like on its first run, I got to certain bits and I was just like, this isn't needed. Like this isn't needed at all. Like, why would you put this in here being a director and having the experience that you have and being given a second chance to technically fix the problems which he may have even done in the original cut. Why is this in here? This is a schoolboy error. And I always feel that Zack Snyder does those type of things in some of his movies. Like he's almost like he automatically goes against the grain just to say, you know, like, but I did it my way, which essentially mm. is, you know, what the hashtag Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut is. It's someone being given an option to do something his way in his unaltered vision. Um, but yeah, but... um. Like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into too deep because I know I've spoken a bit too much. We can come back to me, but I mean, what were you, what were you thinking when you were going into this? Because we've already got issues with the DCEU universe anyway. So what? So like, you know, what were your thoughts in regards to this, especially with the Josh Weddon cut that we got? Um. Well, I mean, as everybody knows, um, <laughs> you know, Rich and I weren't the biggest fans of, of the Whedon cut. Um, it's funny, I was listening to our podcast review of that the other day, and I was just thinking, like, <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's fair to say, yeah, I think it's fair to say we weren't fans of um, the Whedon cut that, that came out in the cinema. Um, you know, and as said, we, we we did discuss when the announcement of the, the Snyder Cut came out, you know, we, we went into a long discussion about kind of, is it even right that this came about in the first place? And, you know, should it have done so? Um, you know, and and as you rightly said, he's, he's basically been given a second chance. Um, should he have been given a second chance? I don't know. Um, you know, he, the, the set of circumstances around his original original film and original idea and, and the set of circumstances that caused that to be derailed are, are quite tragic. Um, and, you know, my heart really does go out to him because I think on a personal level, you know, he's been through absolute hell, both personally and professionally with this. And, and that's, you know, the, the fact that he's been able to kind of to come back and, and wanted to come back and, and, and has finished his vision is, is something to be commended, I think. Um, you know, and I, I could never take that away from the man. Um, that, that was just amazing. Um, that said, my expectations were, were kind of low because, you know, first of all, Batman v Superman, I, I think is just, it, 
I think it's just appalling, to be honest. I think it's one of the <laughs> worst films I've ever seen in my life. You know, I still remember me and you sitting in that cinema and us basically just laughing out loud throughout most of the yeah. film going, what the fuck is this? Like, this is nonsense. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of his take on on DC characters and, and how he views them and how he wants to use them. But that said, I have to admit, I was very, very curious as to what uh, his Justice League would look like. So, um, you know, my expectations were, were certainly not high, but I was but I was definitely curious. I definitely wanted to know, like, what would his un totally unfiltered vision for the DC universe look like and, and you know what would he do with with these characters and how would he want to tell their stories um so for me you know it was uh, going into it it was expecting expecting something that would um I guess be grander you know I, I expected the vision to be grander um obviously if it's going to be four hours long then then um, you'd expect it would be four hours long for a reason so I expected you know um the vision to be grander I expected um you know certain parts of the film to look great um perhaps even better than it did in 2017 um because he you know one thing Zack Snyder does have is is um you know a, a good eye for uh, iconography and, and things like that so um I expected it to look good um and I hoped that I would get uh you know a more cohesive more coherent story I hoped that I would get to a real feeling for the characters and and for what their motivations were in this movie and and kind of um something that hopefully didn't feel like you know a drag to to watch so that, those were kind of the expectations really going into it for me um okay okay yeah yeah so that was um that was kind of it uh <laughs> <laughs> what we got on the other hand well <laughs> that that's another story Ooh. isn't it <laughs> but firstly i guess the first things first i mean do you think that this version surpasses the original movie uh overall yeah yeah he, like listen like you know like i said once again like i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and try and one movie down to make another movie look better which i think a lot of people have been doing like mm. it almost became top. They have, yeah. like, right? You know what? Yeah, just you're like F just wedding and blah blah mm. blah blah blah. And I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, like just wedding right now. Like the lockdown on Corona. Like that's the least of his worries right now. Like mm. the, the person <laughs> stuff he's going through. I'm just like, boy, you know what? <laughs> but like release the Snyder Cut is the least of your worries. But at the mm. same time, I'm not gonna kick a man when he's down. Yeah? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not that. I, you know, I don't like to participate in those type of gossip type of things. But Somebody asked a question today as a thing of like, you know, who do you think fumbled the ball more? Disney with the Star Wars franchise, if you believe that Disney did fumble the ball with the Star Wars franchise, or Warner Brothers with Justice League. And I turned around and I just said, you know what? Don't get me wrong. There are certain mistakes and errors that directors may do where you'd be like, listen, man, I'm used to a certain level because I've seen your work before, or maybe I've seen enough films to know where you've made a mistake, or I've studied films to understand why this mistake shouldn't be made. But if we're talking about the Just Wedding cut, when comparing it to the Zack Snyder cut, I don't think Just Wedding did anything bad. You know the reason why? Because this, 
technically, this is what Warner Brothers asked for. Warner mm-hmm. Brothers said, listen, can I have a Justice League movie, which is like the Avengers, but I've already got some of this stuff here ready, so you're going to have to use that, and you can film some more things. Like, technically, you're asking someone who's put all of the ingredients into a cake mix and mixed it all up, and basically you're now asking to make a hamburger. You're just like, but you've made, given me the ingredients to make a cake. I can't make a hamburger. So I don't even look at just Whedon as really, as really effing up. I look at Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers clearly weren't happy with what they were given first, and clearly had the mind of what they wanted, and that's what and they, and they asked just Whedon to give that, and that's what he gave to them. And it just didn't happen to fall in line with people that watch films or are a fan of this and you know like you said we laughed out loud in cinema and we left uh very very confused and angry and um leaning ever so slightly more to the dark sides just because we were going through those negative emotions in it but with the snyder cut <sighs> yeah it's it's a classic hits album man you know like there's certain parts of it where i'm just like why am i watching four hours of this you had an option to fix certain mistakes. You've had a good couple of years to even listen to fans and listen to what they want. And you could have taken this out or you could have put this in and you still make those mistakes. And when I see that, it, 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 like, it generally upsets me. It generally upsets me. Mm. That's, mm. How, that's how I feel about the film. I do enjoy it. Like when I, and the parts that I do enjoy, I really do enjoy it, say like the same way how I enjoy certain parts in Wonder Woman. But you've given us a four hour film where you've had, you know, you, like you've had stuff there already. I don't understand why it wasn't better. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, um, you know, I, I wrote a, a review for the blog um, recently. Uh, yeah. For those of you that don't know, we have a blog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. www.wulongtalks.com. Um, but I wrote a review for the, the, the blog, a non-spoilers review, and it was just kind of um, my general thoughts and the things that were swirling around in my head after um, finishing the movie. And, you know, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that for me personally, I don't think Zack Snyder's take on these characters is for me. Um, it, it just doesn't vibe with kind of how I know these characters to be um, and the kind of expectations that I have. And I cannot divorce myself from that in order to accept what he's doing. The only way it could work for me is if I treat it as, you know, his vision is like a kind of Elseworlds vision, a, a kind of you know, multiverse, because there was loads of chat about the multiverse in this film as well, like, because they just chucked it in there. But, um, you know, the it's almost like these characters are a multiverse version of the Justice League. And I suppose if you look at it that way, then it kind of, for me, maybe I could kind of make sense of it in my head in, in that way. But, um, you know, I just left with the impression that, you know, it, it, it said his take is just not for me. And uh I yeah. guess I kind of just have to accept that that's, you know, the way it is, that he wants to film these characters a certain way. He wants them to be portrayed in a certain way. He wants them to have certain types of dialogue. And that kind of style is just, is never going to sit right with me. So, you mm. know, it, it is what it is. 
So, um, you know, that that kind of said, I guess we might as well start diving into some chat about the actual uh, movie let's itself. Let's you know? some stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's start with, with positives first. Um, so what were kind of like the the characters and the actors and, and the kind of scenes that, that really worked for you and, and, and made you enjoy um, the, the, this cut of the movie? Um, you know what? I I tell I tell you I tell you two positives that that I came away with, um, and one of them is still kind of steeped in the negative. So I'm going to start with the Flash, Barry Allen. Ezra Miller is a lot more sorry is a lot less annoying in this version mm. than the just mm. wedding cut, but he still has the same character throughout the film. And I yeah. think maybe because you're allowed to interact with him more, and you're allowed to see him interact with the others more as well, right? Um, so there's that's that's a really good positive. I, I like that. And for some other reason, I realized that his 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 run in this that it doesn't annoy me as much. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I I warmed to the character a bit more, you know. Like so, like you know, he was a lot less annoying, you know, like in everything that he did, and you know, every time he appeared on screen. The negative for Barry Allen and the Flash, having read the comic books, uh, watched the cartoon. Listen. I'm not going to explain myself. Haven't been a fan of the culture for X amount of years and also being a fan of the, of the Flash, especially when I was into athletics when I was younger, um, specifically the 100 metres and 200 metres. I'm a fit as a fiddle, you know, like, no, no word of a doubt. Go look at my Instagram if you don't believe me. Like, so, like, being a hardcore Flash fan, I'm just like, this character that you're giving me that I am actually not finding annoying is not the character of Barry Allen. Barry Allen isn't that guy. And it upsets mm. me. It gets me angry. Yeah? And it's the same thing that... It's the same thing they did in Birds of Prey, right? Where you've got a character called Cassandra Cain, who is not Cassandra Cain. It's just not, listen, if you're not going to take parts of the character to really try and, to try, you know, so you have that, you know, that, 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 that lifeline. So you, if you're a fan of it from elsewhere, where you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is what this person would do. If you're not going to do that, then just call him a different name. Don't call Cassandra Cain, Cassandra Cain, Cassandra Cain. Call her Jane Smith. Yeah, with the Flash in you know in 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 Zack Snyder's Justice League and just and just within Justice League, like don't call him Barry Allen. Give him a brand new name, and just let him have that let him have that personality because it it doesn't work with me. Everyone hmm. else has that state has the same type of personality. So why have you changed this guy's personality? I, I, you know what? Like call me old maybe I don't know, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the the other positive was Cyborg, like. I still don't know what happened behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff that we've read about on Twitter um, and, you know, the internet in regards to Ray Fisher and, you know, the stuff that he had to go through. And now Gal Gadot has come out and said some stuff as well. Um, but just on a level of how much of the Cyborg's character was cut out from Justice League, listen, I'm not going to lie. I would be pissed. Hmm. I would be vexed and... I don't think Ray Fisher gave like an amazing performance. Like, you know, there were some people saying, oh no, his performance was amazing. He really felt for him and X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, well, no, he was good. He was good for what he had to do. Once again, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, like this scene with Cyborg was, was really, really cool. And, you know, he really nailed it out the park. And I can see why he was upset. I mean, obviously he, I'm sure he feels that like he did an amazing job, but me as a viewer, I was just like, you know what? He came in, he clocked in at nine o'clock and he clocked out at five o'clock. And when you left your inbox for your emails was empty, you got your job done, yeah? 
Um, so, so, so I do like the fact that Cyborg was given a lot more to do, and it really shows you how the first one was really, really chopped up. So, if we're gonna, so like for those two characters, like I'll, I'll definitely use those guys in regards to kind of being the barometer of what was good and what wasn't good, because I think it just kind of showcases how Zack Snyder makes a film in regards to sometimes he can get something amazingly right. Sometimes he can get something just standing right and you've got no qualms against it, really. Like it says what it does in the tin. And then sometimes he gets something right, but he always does something wrong just to mess it up for you just that little bit. Like he does in Man of Steel, where it's like, you know, like you cast Henry Cavill to play Superman. And physically, Henry Cavill is like Superman for me. And I grew up with Christopher Reeves. But then you put him in this film and you give him dialogue where I'm just like that's not my Superman why are you tricking me <laughs> like you know what I mean <laughs> you know so that's so there so that's so like using the characters of Cyborg and a Flash I think it's it kind of shows you how Zack Snyder's Justice League is, is gonna be for someone who's maybe expecting something different so yeah but yeah go ahead man because me I, listen I know you like I'm a lot more favorable to this film and I know you've got a lot to get off your chest so you might as well start now bro <laughs> well I said I was going to start with the positives um, You know I think um, Your greatest hits analogy That you use for Wonder Woman um, If I could change that slightly I would say To me Zack Snyder's Justice League Felt like A crappy rap album With a Ooh. couple of bangers on it Okay. You know, when you get, <laughs> yeah. you'd get a certain period from it, this started to happen around, I guess, um, as a hip hop fan for me, this started to happen kind of around the very late 90s, early 2000s, yeah, yeah. where you'd yeah, get yeah, certain yeah. artists that you like who would put out an album and yeah. you'd be skipping, 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 skipping. And then the track will come on and be like, oh, that's a banger. Yeah, let me play this. And then the yeah. track will be over yeah. and then the next one will start and you'd be like, nah, skip, 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 skip. Oh, look, there's a bonus track featuring Eminem. Let me listen to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a banger. All right, cool, cool, cool. You know, and then that would be the album. And then you'd be like, wait, and I spent like $13.99 in HMV for this. <laughs> like, um, that's how I kind of feel about Justice League. So, you know, the positives for me would be, um, again, yeah, to echo your points, Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Um, my God, they did his character dirty in that first film, boy. <laughs> they did him dirty. Like, again, like I agree with you. I don't think he's necess- it was necessarily, you know, Oscar-worthy performances. But um, certainly, you know, I think... That, the restored version gives us a much more holistic view of Cyborg as a character, makes us understand a bit more about his psyche and, you know, the relationship with his father and, and the stuff with um, Joe Morton um, playing Silas Stone um, was, was you know, quite interesting to me. So I enjoyed kind of those elements um, uh, of those scenes without being like blown away by it. But, you know, it, it did feel certainly in comparison to the movie we got in 2017, it felt a lot more meaty um, for, for him. Um, I think, you know, there were a couple of scenes that I, I quite was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, the extended... Uh, scene with Steppenwolf and the Amazons um, kind of worked a, a lot better for me, although it was kind of stupid as well, because it, it was like, why why are you trying to bury him in the sea? Like, the guy's 
you've just seen he's got a boom tube and he can go wherever he wants to go. Like, why, why would you think that burying the building in the sea would stop him? I, I don't understand that. But anyway, um, you know, the, the whole kind of uh, chase sequence and Steppenwolf taking on the Amazons um, was good. That was actually better than it was in, in the 2017 version. Easy. And I kind of liked the Easy. 2017 version, but this one was much better. Um, you got a real sense in this movie, uh, I felt, and, and in that scene, of how and why the Amazons are so formidable on the battlefield because of their strategic knowledge, because of their strength, because of their agility, because mm. of their bravery, because they just don't back down, um, you know, even when the, the odds are, are stacked against them. Um, and I felt, you know, that scene really played out well and really kind of sold um, the Amazons well in that regard. Um, so I got a kick out kind of, you know, seeing that, that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, and there were maybe, a, gosh, I'm actually struggling to think of other scenes. Like no, 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 it's kind of a giveaway. But, well, there's scenes that I kind of, another thing that you said is that that's really resonating is, for some reason, Zack Snyder is always on the edge of doing something really good and then makes yeah. one stupid decision that just ruins the whole thing. And then for yeah. me, it, that that's what happened. It's like you're on the edge of doing something really fun here and, oh, you've gone and made a stupid decision. Well yeah, done. You made a booby, bro. You made a booby. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, kind of the, the, the scene where they go to rescue the, the kidnapped scientists from um, Steppenwolf and and the parademons in the kind of um, in the sewers under Gotham and stuff like that. That was yeah. kind of cool though. There's some really dumb things that happen in that. And you're just kind of like, Oh, that doesn't make like, how are you like, how are people claiming this is better than the 2017 version? Like it's actually worse mm -hmm. because you've extended it to show that there ain't shit actually happening. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing with the flash, I don't understand like why, why did he take them all up the steps one by one? I don't get it. Like, why, why are you doing that? Like, and then stopping to ask people, "Are you all right on the steps?" Like, it, it don't, it don't make sense. Like, it, you know, the whole thing with the flash is, I'll, I'll save it for the negatives. I'll save that for the negatives because, um, yeah, 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 there's a yeah. lot to, to unpack there. Um, I thought that was okay. Uh, I guess the final battle's all right in a way, although it just after a while it kind of felt like again like he was just getting carried away with things um and i don't i don't want to get into the criticisms yet but there was like like a scene where batman um takes out like a kind of parademon sniper and and blows his head off and then there's like blood on the camera and you're like why zach <laughs> exactly why why would there be blood on the camera there like that the... mm. Would, would what was there somebody filming footage in this scene is that what you're trying to say and that's why there's blood on the screen or did you just do that because you thought it looked cool like it, it just it doesn't make sense it, it doesn't make any sense um but yeah yeah there, there's it, it's hard for me because like everything that I want to bring up as a positive I'm looking at it and also going yeah but then it ends you know the scene ends in a stupid way that just spoils everything so so yeah. I don't know um you go you roll with some more positives man Okay, cool. Okay, basically, in regards to that scene you're talking about where the blood gets shot on the screen, you know what it is? For anybody that doesn't understand 
why obviously listen people out there if you like the film you like the film and you know that's your opinion but what we try and do here is that when we give you an opinion we try to back it up with facts so where me and jason would watch justice league the reason why we would have an issue with that scene let's say as an example in particular is because it's the thing where nothing like that has appeared throughout the whole film the film has been very much like you're the audience and that's the film mm. and you know it is what it is when you see things like blood or water or anything basically start to appear on the screen it kind of breaks the fourth wall mm. and unless that's something that is done in a very very specific way where it's it's meant to actually capture your attention and let you know that the fourth wall has been broken if it just pops up like anywhere it, it takes you out of it takes you out of the moment um so for an example like this, when you guys watch, if, you know, when you watch the Jason Bourne films, one of the criticisms of the Jason Bourne film is the hand-to-hand action scenes, where it's like really steady, you know, shaky cam and really, really gritty and everything like that. Oh, the, the steady cam, why, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? What's it called again? Steady cam. Oh, yeah, yeah, the steady cam. The reason why this works for the Jason Bourne films is because all three films are filmed like that from beginning to end. They just don't, they just don't film the action scenes like that. They film the whole scene. It's like, you know, there used to be a TV a show on TV called TV on TV called Homicide Life of the Streets, where it would, you know, when people would be talking, it wouldn't, sometimes it wouldn't cut. Sometimes it would show the camera literally zooming across the room to someone else and then zooming in for, you know, for like, you know, an extreme close-up, but the camera's moving. It's to try and make you feel like you're in the moment with all these characters. Mm. And the Jason Bourne films, I feel like that from beginning to end, not just the action scenes. Mm. What then started happening is basically when you start seeing these copycat directors who wanted to do what Jason Bourne films had brought to cinema, they would literally just film the film in a normal way. And by the time they get to the action scene, that's when they decided to start doing the Steadicam. And it's like, it almost feels like you've got two different directors mm. filming it. Mm. Mm. And that's essentially, that's what we're trying to explain with this scene where the blood's squirts on the, on the camera like there's 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 no need for it there no no, need no. For it. it's it's a it's a um you know it's a cinema verite thing i, I remember what the phrase is from film school now <laughs> cinema yeah. verite um okay. you know and it's 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 as you you know perfectly explained like it cinema verite generally is a creative decision you make at the beginning of the process because the the point that you're, you, you know, the point is, or, or what you're trying to purvey is that you want the audience to feel like they're a part of the story, like they're actually in the room with these yeah. people. Um, you want the audience to go on this journey with them. So you start from from the very beginning, from your opening shot, you establish that this is the type of, of, of um, world you're, you're establishing, you know, with, with homicide life on the streets, as you reference. Um, you know, they were very, they wanted to give the, the series the feel that it was almost like a documentary rather than a drama. Yeah, yeah, and they wanted yeah, to blur yeah. the lines between that. And part of blurring the lines between that was using, a, you know, the steady cam. So it looked like it was being shot by, you know, an unprofessional cameraman, a, a fly on the wall who just happened to be there filming the day to day, day in the lives of, of these people. To do that in the middle of a, of a fucking action scene when you, you've not established that at all at any point previously just doesn't make any fucking sense. And, you know, this is where I, I, I start to get a bit harsh with, with Zach now because I feel like, for me, 
you know, I feel like he's illiterate when it comes to cinema. Like, I really do. I really think he's illiterate. Like, I don't think he understands the conventions of cinema. I don't think he gets kind of how you use these cinema tools and why you use them in the way that you use them. I think he just knows how to do them and just goes, okay, so I'm going to put this in here because it will look good. Like, he, he, there's not really any kind of... of, of of thought into why that would make sense at that particular point and in that time and when you hear him explain yeah. some of these things as well like the explanations he gives are so woolly I'm just like that that doesn't again it doesn't make sense Zach like I'm sorry mm, mm. you know I I said to you um when I finished watching the movie that for me I feel like Zack Snyder is basically Michael Bay with a philosophy degree yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he's a guy who loves cool action, loves slow-mo shots, loves lots of camera tricks and effects, um, but also wants to remind you that, you know, he, he's read his Plato. Um, so here, I'm going to shove like a bit of, bit of philosophy in there for you. I'm going to shove a little bit of religious iconography in there just to remind you that I know my philosophy, you know. Mm. Um, but otherwise, you, you know, when you strip it away, he's Michael Bay. And, <laughs> and yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we were supposed to be bloody talking about positives, and I didn't even again. Right, you know what? I'm Listen, Jay, say it with your chest, man. Say it with your chest. <laughs> like you know, I'll I'll be the positive one in in this instance, and then you know, like you know, we can mm. you can just you, know, you can you can bring up negatives. Um, the positive, like, you know, what I do. I'll do what I did with like in my analogy of like cyborg in the flesh. So I'll bring up a positive, and then I'll and then on the flip side, I'll throw a negative in there as well, and then you can cover the negatives. So like we're, we're covering all angles, right? So. What did I enjoy? I enjoyed the scene with um, obviously the Amazons versus Steppenwolf. Like mm. I said, like in the, the, like you know in the 2017 Just Wedding version, that was one of my favorite scenes. But I still felt really sold short, and I've I've never been a fan of like how the Amazons have been portrayed in the first Wonder Woman movie and in Just Wedding's Justice League. I just felt that they didn't seem to be the revered warriors that they were you know that they that they're meant to be known as in history um but i did get a sense of that in this scene uh like you said where it's more extended and it really shows you like doing battle formations like to me <clears throat> this is what i wanted to see in the original wonder woman movie i wanted to see women dressed in ancient greek outfits doing bloody sucker punch strokes project sailor moon fantastical jumps where it defies the laws of physics I, that's that's what i wanted to see hmm. um so i was really happy with that scene but then on the flip side you go and do give or take the same exact scene but it looks like you've just kind of recycled a good scene from 300 but then what you've done is that you've added atlanteans in there you've added like the amazons if you added the humans and then just for fan service you've added in a green lantern and then you've just got this dark, you know, the character of dark side just going, and you've got a voiceover telling us what's happened. That's mm. just lazy as fuck. Mm. Like literally, it's just lazy. Like you make us watch a scene which is meant to be so poignant that technically this could be a part or it is a part of DC history. And you show it as a flashback with somebody giving a voiceover and you meant to expect us to want to fear or to understand what this dark side character wants to do, who in this scene isn't dark side. He's basically dark side when he's younger, before he's got the power of the Amiga boom and stuff like that. But he doesn't even say a word. 
Mm. Why am I like why why should I buy why should I be invested in the scene? It like that, you know what it is? That scene looks like a poor man's version of Zack Snyder's 300. That's and that's crazy. Do you see what I'm saying? That that, mm. that to me, that scene looks like someone who started making a film and he's gone like, yeah, man, you know what? Yes, in this scene, it's gonna be like, you know that film of 300? It's gonna be like 300, but not 300, because you know I'm a Zack Snyder fan, but it's gonna have that 300 feel. But it's, but it's gonna be my type of 300, not Zack Snyder's 300. So I'm gonna get some Amazon women. I'm gonna get some Atlanteans. I'm gonna get some humans. And you know what, man, you're not even gonna believe it when I do this. You're gonna see the Green Lantern, and they're gonna be fighting against Dark Side because you know Dark Side is like the main villain. Marvel, they have their Thanos, but you know we don't have Thanos. We've got Dark Side. Technically, they stole the character of Thanos from us. Like you know, Thanos is like a poor man's knockoff version <laughs> of Dark Side. And you're just like, bro, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. What and can I just about? add as well before you continue? That Green Lantern cameo, my God, he must be the he must have been the work experience Green Lantern, you know, because the man had the power of the ring in his hand, and he shot two green two green blasts from the ring, and they got pew, pew. Actually, that pew, 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 pew. Then he was dead. And that was that. So, so what, what was the point? What was the point in having him? Like, why even put a Green Lantern in? Like, just leave it out. Like, there's, there's no point. If that's how you're going to do them, like, because now why why are future audiences supposed to be invested in the the Green Lantern Corps and and the power yeah. of the Green Lantern Corps if all they see is a rando firing two blasts and then get taken out by by Dark Side like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, who's going to care about the Green Lantern Corps? Yeah, nice wealth building there, Zach. Really nice wealth building. But, um, you know, hashtag really restore the, the Snyder universe or whatever the hell it is. You're getting Jay angry, man. You guys are getting Jay angry. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so like I said, you know, like, like we've mentioned before, it's almost like when he does do, well, for me, like when he does do something right, he then goes and does the exact opposite. And we've got like, I'm just like, even the portrayal of Dark Side, like I said, he's just this gigantic gray guy who's just grunting mm. like at least you know like at least once again i'm not trying to compare it to the marvel films but the reason why we'll always use the marvel films as an example is because it's just a, a good show and tell of how you want to try and make people feel for your character whether you're scared of them whether you know you, you love to hate them whether you can't wait for them to be on screen because you love them whether you like them because they're funny like you don't get anything of that from Dark Side when you first see him. So what's crazy is that when you watch the Just Wedding cut, there's a crazy part of me where I just like, I can see why he why he made that original that original fight happen with Steppenwolf. Mm. Mm. Because there's, there's been no there's been no build up or lead up to like the real big bad of this DCEU, and when you do see him. He gets his ass whooped. And like I said, literally, if you guys mm. don't believe me, if you've got it to hand, go and watch it. He doesn't really say anything. And then when he gets, when he's getting, aside from the fact that he gets battered, but when you see him getting dragged into his ship, he's just like, ah, and then he kind of faints. I'm just, you know what it looks like? <laughs> and that sounds, he looks like when Conor McGregor got knocked out by Dustin Poirier. It's like, <laughs> this, yeah. this, this, you know, this guy's just capable of so much, so, so many things, but you look at his face and just like, wow, Smokey, you got knocked the fuck out. And it's just like, it's like it, it just felt like a waste of a character where mm. you need to have this build up to him. And when you finally do see him unleash, he's this beast. You know, he's, no, in fact, he's more than a beast. 
he's that thing of like you 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 see him and you want to have to believe that the only way you can take him is for you know these different species of you know of humanoids to team up and defeat him or to get wonder woman you know the amazon aquaman the king of the seas superman the alien batman you know the batman like you, that's the only way you can defeat this guy is to get these people is bring these people together you don't get that with dark side so i understand in my head why just Whedon decided to take dark side out and kept it with steppenwolf mm. I, I can see that mm. i mean like whether you agree with it or not but i, I think that's quite a logical explanation as the reason why i wasn't impressed with that scene aside from it looking like a poor man trying to do a poor man's outside the scene which is actually filmed by Zack snyder mm. both figure mm. Yeah, man. I mean, geez, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, seeing as you're talking about Darkseid as well, let's talk about Steppenwolf. Um, I like the redesign, I guess. Don't get the character. Don't really. His motivation seemed flimsy as hell um, to me. And I just don't, again, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry to be that guy, but I want people listening to this who, you know, complain about comic book villains, but like this character, I want you to explain to me why you like this character. Why? What is it? What, what is it that, that the script does, that the, the dialogue does, that the special effects team do with this character that makes this character work? Because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I cannot understand, like... Well, I do understand the motivations, but they're just so piss poor and flimsy. And like, I, you know, again, like we, we've, we've said time and again on this podcast, uh, Rich, Rich and I, that, you know, the, the bar for comic book movie villains has been raised. There is a certain standard you have to hit now if you want to be in, in the, the, at the top of the table, you know what I mean? Um, you know, we, we've come a long, long, long way as a genre, as, as, as a whole, as a storytelling vehicle. We've come a long way um, with our villains. So why is this Steppenwolf so good? What, what, what is it about his motivations that you identified with and you thought, yeah, you know, I can understand. Like, if you look at it from a certain perspective, I can understand Steppenwolf's motivations because I couldn't. Like so, I'd love for somebody to to explain to me what what it was that that made them empathize with with Steppenwolf and made you think you know what he was a good antagonist. He's somebody that that really the league you know should be going up against because yeah. to me he came across as a whiny, snivelly kind of nothing character that that just all he wants to do is go home. That's about it. So I want to go. I, I want to get the boxes and I want to go home. Uh, allow me to go home and then he starts begging Desaad please Desaad let me come home and it's just like the whole <laughs> the whole thing was just ridiculous it was just so Ooh. stupid so stupid like the dialogue was so bad and I was just kind of like again you know uh, I'm sorry but I, I don't again I don't want to be that guy but my god Thanos shits all over these characters yeah, 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 shits yeah, all yeah. over them like there's how dare you even try and compare Thanos to these kind of to these characters that that, that uh, Zack Snyder has presented in this movie in terms of dark side and Steppenwolf because both of them yeah. are atrocious they they yeah. they're comic book villains from the early 90s mate 
plain and simple. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, yeah, what did you think of, of, of Steppenwolf and, and kind of how they redesigned his look and, and, and um, his motivations and, and so on? Funnily enough, I actually don't mind Steppenwolf and I prefer this Steppenwolf. I like, I'm the complete opposite to you on this one, isn't it? I, I like this Steppenwolf in this movie. And I think one of the things that we can talk about later on in the show, like if you guys haven't noticed, listeners, like this is going to be a long ass show. So it's not going to be four hours long, but it's a long ass show. So go grab a drink if you get, you know, and then like, because we're going to be going for a little while. That's just, that's something we didn't say at the beginning of the show, in it, right? But um, you know what it is? It's weird because, like I said, like there's no way you can watch Zack Snyder's Justice League now without thinking of stuff that happens in just within Justice League. So I look at his dark side in Justice League as Thanos. So he feels he feels in that part, and I look at um, Steppenwolf as Loki. That's the thing. To me, Loki is. You know, is you know, so it's um, Steppenwolf is the Loki of the Justice League movie in the Just Wedden movie, but because he had to chop it down, he had to try and you know fill both roles of a Thanos and a Stephen in and you know with a Thanos and a Loki character. And the reason why I find this fascinating is because Just Wedden does it so well in the first Avengers with Loki having to. You know, clearly, even though Loki's the villain of the movie, he's the person that's not in charge. And they make that very, very apparent from the get-go when you're watching the Avengers, and it works. Like someone who's slightly out of their depth. So when you watch Just Wedding's Cut, you're just like, why would you take that out when you've already done that in another movie and kind of perfected it? Like, you're one of the reasons why Loki is actually quite a likable character and why people wanted to see him come back. And you kind of set the wheels in motion in regards to the setup of how you've done everything and where the person that Loki is reporting to, even if it's even if it's two, three or four or five different like lackeys, is Thanos. Like you set that tension up. So I don't understand why Just Redden took that out of the Justice League like 2017 version, or, or let's just call it Justice League, right? So I feel that we do get that in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I feel that you do get that more of a more of a a human feeling or emotions running through the characters because if you have to remember like they're characters that are from the fourth world you know you're gonna you've got characters like mr miracle you've got um granny goodness you've got dark side you've got steppenwolf you've got um orion these are all characters who may be gods but they all have emotions and feelings and i think that was the thing that was missing from justice league and is one of the things that Zack Snyder actually does like in Look, he does bring that back for Steppenwolf and I did kind of feel it for him when he was doing, you know, when he said, like, listen, I want to go home. I need to please my father again. Like, I, I feel it. I felt that. Um, so I was happy with that. Uh, the redesign of the armor, I did like that. Like, I felt that it had a lot more of a practical use as opposed to, say, what they tried to do in Justice League. And once again, like you said, there's a lot of things that just that Zack Snyder does well. And I think one of them is his attention to detail. So I actually really was impressed with that. And I, I was really surprised at how much of a difference or, or, how, or, how, or how much, or, sorry, or, or how, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put the word together, it's getting late now. But, um, uh, but like how, you know, the, the justice, the just wedding um, costume that he, or uniform that he gave to, to Steppenwolf, 
how different it was to Zack Snyder. It's almost like he got rid of everything that Zack Snyder did well with the costume and said, no, nah, he's just going to have a normal costume. I like the fact that it's brought for war. It almost felt like a symbiote. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, you may not notice it at first. It's one of those things that you have to be paying attention to the little details, like, you know, when they fire the arrows at Steppenwolf and, you know, the armor basically catches the arrows and, like, cuts it off. Almost, almost as if it's, the armor is, the armor is symbiote and its main thing is to protect the person who's wearing it. I like those details. And, I, you know, that's the things that I love about Zack Snyder. Like, he'll put those little things in there. So in regards to Steppenwolf, I was actually, I was actually, I was actually quite happy with him. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, you know, I put him in the same league as, say, somebody like Cyborg, who, when you watch Justice League, you're just like, why would you, like, that actually worked. Why would you break that? That, you know, that, 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 that would have served you well. So, yeah, that's how I feel for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, I said, I'm... um... Well, I've made my feelings clear on that. <laughs> so let's move on because, yeah, like uh, I'm just going to get upset about that. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, it brings me on to another gripe I have, which is just the inconsistency of the, the, the Justice League characters based on kind of what we've seen going forward. Now, granted, I, I appreciate that this film was supposed to come, obviously, before... Um, Aquaman got a solo movie before Flash got a solo movie before Cyborg got a solo movie and things like that. But it, I, I can't help but feel, particularly in the case of Wonder Woman, as if the character is just completely different to in, in Justice League to what she is in her own movies. Um, and and the, just the inconsistency of it just it just bothers me. Um, it just bothers me the whole way through. Um, <coughs> you know, I'll, I'll give you an example, like the the opening scene where she's going to rescue these kids from these terrorists who are blowing up, I don't know, four, four city blocks <laughs> of London. Yeah. Like yeah, nobody yeah. in London calls it city blocks, mate. That That's, that's how you know Zach don't know London, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in London calls it city blocks. But um, it are going to blow up city blocks for, I don't know, reasons. Um, and then Wonder Woman, you know, kind of bursts in to, to save the day. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why in Zack Snyder's version, every single person she combats gets absolutely annihilated. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Considering that Wonder Woman is somebody kind of like Superman, like Batman, who goes out of her way not to kill people unless mm. she absolutely has to. I don't understand why she turned up and the first thing she did was turn people into blood pies. I was like, mm. what? And then the, 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 the scene where she uses the gauntlets on the dude and blows a hole out through the window. So basically F all of the people who were out on the street at the time, because I need to blow this guy through a wall because re- again, reasons. Like I, mm. I just was like, what, what? I don't understand. And then there was the, the the line where the little girl says, "I want to be just like you," or "Can I be just like you?" Because <laughs> you can be anything you want to be. And I was like, "What? <laughs> why do you want to be like her? Have you not just seen what she's done here? Like, <laughs> what? She why do you want to be man. like her? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with this world? What is wrong with the people of this world? Like, why are they all crazy? I don't understand." Um. 
Aquaman just is, he just annoyed me throughout the entire film because he, he, he moans throughout the most of the film. That's basically what he does. He moans, he turns up somewhere and then he complains. He complains that you can't, that he doesn't like living in Atlantis. He complains that he doesn't trust the people of the surface world. Then he complains when he meets up with the Justice League. Then he complains that he doesn't trust Cyborg initially. Then he complains about something. I, I've forgotten what the other thing is he, he complains about, but he moans about something. And then it gets to the battle scene and it's like, hoorah, yeah, I'm ready. Well, yeah, my man. And he's, and he's sky surfing <laughs> and, and doing this and that. And come the end of the movie, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. Like what? A part, a part of the gang, a part of the gang. Yeah, part of, <laughs> part of the family, part of the family. You know, and I, was just, I, I just was like, I don't, I don't get it. Again, where, where did this character shift? What happened to, to make him shift character like this? Like mm. what, what? You know, you're not explaining what what's happened, and you've got a four hour runtime, four bloody hours, and you've not fit in to explain how he's changed. And that's one thing that I would I, I would say that that I felt Just Wedden did a little bit better with with was um, Aquaman in that in um, the original one because at least in the original one there's a scene where he's sitting on the lasso of truth yeah. and you yeah, really get a scene. true sense of how he feels about the situation mm. and you get the sense that okay so he's a guy who plays his cars close to his chest um is somewhat suspicious but you know he's a good egg deep down like he, he you know he's not an asshole it's just that this is you know the the way that he views the situation but in this film it's just yeah he he just moans and i, I was just like i i find you so off-putting in this film <laughs> like i really do like mm. I, i'm not interested in in you at all um, Batman is 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 Batman, um, but we've already established that this Batman is a serial killer. Although he's not anymore, except when it comes to parademons, and then he'll fucking annihilate them, blow their heads off with a cannon, and, and spray blood and, on on the fucking camera screen. But um, mm. yeah, but otherwise, you know, he, he he's okay, I, I guess. Um, Superman, it, again, you, it's the same problem you had with Justice League the first time around in that, you know, really the League should have just awoken Superman and said, Superman, go do all this, please. And just leave yeah, it because yeah. you get the sense that as soon as Superman turns up, it's over. And it's like, right. okay, yeah. well, then why didn't they just do that first then? <laughs> just mm, just go mm, and wake mm, up mm. Superman and, and tell him to deal with it, innit? Because clearly he could, he could handle this shit quite easily because he took out Steppenwolf like Steppenwolf went none. To him yeah. so um you know I I, I I i just don't understand but yeah um characters what did you think of the characters well the, the, i feel the same like you know what it is nobody nobody wants i i never felt that anybody was garnered to the decisions that they made like mm. you said it's like yeah. like you know what i mean it's like like when you watch and and the thing is this is the issue that happens when you try to you know try to squeeze a long story arc into a three like you know we've got we've got the mark once again i don't want to make it a comparison but the reason why especially marvel's first phase works is because that there's a build-up to each of these characters we understand how these characters operate we understand that robert downey jr as tony stark aka iron man is a bit of a douche he's a bit of a dickhead but He's trying to change. He's trying. He's trying to make a difference. We understand that Captain America is a sentinel of liberty, and you know, like he always wants to do the good thing, and he doesn't swear. You know, we understand that. You know, the the, the reasons why these people act the way they do. So mm -hmm. by the time we get to the Avengers movie, like you can understand 
why they all don't get on. And then there's the, you know, then there's that, obviously, there's that point where something happens that makes them say, like, listen, we really need to pull our shit together. And, you know, like, that's when Phil Coulson dies. And that's when they start to all play to their strengths. And that's the thing that I had with this. You go and meet everybody and then they ever say, oh, yes, I really find it really hard to make friends. I'm going to join the gang. And it's, it's as simple as that. Or it's like, man, I don't trust no one. Or, man, I'm upset of what I'm feeling. But then when you change your mind and then do join the team, it's like, yeah, like, my father was kidnapped as well, so I need to come as well. And it's like, this feels a bit too convenient. Like, mm. yeah, man, they came and attacked Atlantis. And I'm just like, yeah, but, bruv, like, not in a bad way. When they came to ask you, like, he said the world was in danger. So they weren't going to say, oh, let's leave the seas alone. Like, you understand, like, it's mm. almost like, Mm. It, it just feels too convenient and too yeah. forced and they don't face any form of, of adversity or real adversity in order to change their mind to want to team up it's if anything it seems like it's very very selfish the reasons why these guys do decide to team up in the end which is crazy mm. you, know, you know what i mean it's like so so that's how i felt in regards in regards to the characters and i, and I mean probably the only person who who stays true to being bad i'm, I'm not even to be honest i'm not even going to bother talking about them i've spoken about cyborg spoken about the flash like i said aquaman i felt was better portrayed in in the, the wedding cut and wonder woman is just gal Gadot doing wonder woman fair enough um i do feel that ben affleck is still a really good batman but in regards to his character the issue that i had with him is that it wasn't he wasn't batman no he was such he mm. was such a he like you know what it was he was I felt that the role reversal between him and Alfred felt really out of place. Mm. And if anything, Alfred in this film felt really whiny, even though Jeremy Irons does a good performance, you know, with the accent and how, he, you know, and the pristine presence that he has. Alfred is the voice of reason. Alfred is easily one of the reasons why Batman still, or Bruce Wayne still does what he does when he's Batman. So it felt out of place when Alfred just kept on being like a Dalton Thomas and saying things like, I suggest Master Way next time we choose a place a bit warmer like the Bahamas. That's not Alfred. Mm. You know what I mean? Alfred is the guy who's like, Master Wayne, we can do this. We can do this. So by the time you get to the end of the film, when all of them are stepping onto the ship and Master and, and Alfred goes to Bruce Wayne, like, oh, do you think we can do this? Do you think we can do this? That bit where Bruce Wayne goes, Well, we have the thing, Alfred, we found it. Faith. We have faith. Aside from the fact that I'm sick and tired of, of Zack Snyder trying to sneak in those Christianity mm. or, or no, Jesus tropes religious into the film. Religious nonsense, yeah. yeah. religious, yeah, like, you know, aside from that, it's just the whole thing of, like, at that point, it makes no sense. It would have made more sense if, throughout the film, Bruce Wayne is trying to put the Justice League together, but he just keeps on failing. So by the time he does put it together, that's when his faith does kick in. Like, it's, like you know what I mean? It's almost like hmm. it's... It's done backwards. It, it, yeah. it makes no sense, man. It really makes no sense. Mm. So yeah, that's how I feel in regards to how the characters are being portrayed on the, mm. you know, on, on screen. And so yeah, so there are a few things that I think that just Wedding ha- does do well. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm. um, 
like I yeah. said, once again, I think and by the way, I, I have to say, just sorry, bro, before you go, I have to yeah, say, yeah, just yeah. for the, the benefit of people listening, um, this is not giving us giving any ringing endorsement of Joss Whedon's personality or, or the man that he is. We're well aware that there's yeah, several allegations about him, um, that are not pleasant at all. Um, so this is not, you know, when, when Richard says these things, he's not saying that he agrees with, with what Joss Whedon has done or, or anything like that, or is alleged to have done. We're merely talking about the work that he did on uh, Justice League and that alone. Um, sorry, go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, because I was even going to say to you, like, where we've already discussed, there's certain things that Joss has done right in the movie. It's just that the film is, the movie is a bad movie, right? So... In regards to, let's say, like, character, like, there's a bit where I feel... Okay, there's two there's, there's two scenes in particular. The bit where the Flash goes and just Whedon's cut, where he's like, you know, I, um, I've never done this before. Like, usually I just run around and I just push people. It makes sense. I like mm. the fact that we've got, mm. you know, a character who is a bit unseasoned. He doesn't really know what he needs to do. And he's kind of learning on the job. Because we haven't received the origin film. It makes sense, right? And the way how that origin film is in such, you know, development hell, maybe it would have made sense to kind of keep that in. And I like that line that Batman says to him, you know what, save, just save one person. Like, it seems like the Batman thing to do, like Batman is the leader. So, for example, once again, I'm going to keep on putting this disclaimer. It's not to compare it to the Marvel Universe, but at the end of the Avengers, where it's the bit where it's like they decide that they all need to work together, and Iron Man, who's kind of been the driving force behind this, he's like, okay, cool, listen, we've all tried this by ourselves. I'm going to be the first person to admit that it's not working. Everybody works to their strengths. My strength is that I've pulled everybody together and I've done certain things. Captain America, or he, goes, he basically says, Cap, you're up. And then Captain America comes in and starts directing people and doing certain things. That's what we needed from Batman in this film. Mm. And that scene works perfectly in Just Weddon's cut, where he's just like, where Flash is like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Save one person, and then we'll work it from there. You need that person in the background just pushing things. And like I said, that's one of the reasons why the characters feel so flat. The mm. second scene, which I felt Just Weddon put into his cut, that I think Zack Snyder should have kept in his cut, was when Superman comes back to life. And, you know, he's finished beating up the Justice League because that's what he can do. I mean, like, you know, he's the most powerful character in a DC EU. Um, you know, no cap, as the young, as the young ones say these days. But when he finally does see Batman and in the Justice League cut, he goes, when he picks up Batman, he goes, do you bleed? I would have kept that scene in. I wouldn't have kept the scene in where Batman gets dashed to the side and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, and starts cracking, you know, that shit jokes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Force I wouldn't have kept that in, but I would have kept that scene in where he goes, would you bleed? Because to me, that stays within the character of Superman, of what he's been through. And at some point, when you now see another thing that happens in a Zack Snyder Justice League cut where it shows you the future of what we think is going to happen with the nightmare future, it makes sense. Mm. Superman, as much as he's forgiven Batman, he's still only a man. He's still only a human who just, who just happens to be a Superman. He still feels, he still loves, he still gets angry. That's the reason why he still does what he does. Like he does, he saves people because it's the good thing to do. He loves Lois because he feels the ability to love. So for him to wake up in that feral mode 
and to be woke at night and night and try, you know, kind of start flipping out when he starts scanning them and he sees Cyborg's armor start to flip out and then he looks at, you know, starts looking inside Aquaman and his heart starts to beat. He's in that feral mode. So for him to be non-verbal and by the time he gets to Batman, that would have been a perfect time for him to be like, you know, do you bleed? So by the time in this nightmare future where Lois Lane gets killed, it's not just that one thing that tips him over the edge. There's a few things that have tipped him over the edge in regards to why he's susceptible to dark side's anti-life equation for dark side to control him. He's mm. been through trauma. You know, he's lost his father. Um, he's had to kill Zod. Um, he's, you know, he's died and he's, come, and, he's, and he's come back to life. That's traumatic for anybody. He's now lost the love of his life, Lois Lane. And now the anti-life equation works to him. It would have been nice to keep it in there to add to the flaws of the man that is the Superman so by the time when he does break free of the anti-life equation, it makes it that little bit more um, stupendous. It makes it a little bit more amazing. It makes it that little bit more super. You know, you know what I mean? So that's the, that's one thing. That, that's another thing that would have kicked in. That was actually gonna, I was actually going to say that in the next episode that we do, mm. and I will still say it. But that's how I felt. That's it's weird. Like you look at some of the scenes in the Justice League cut, and you're just like, you know, why would you get rid of that, Zach? Because mm, it, clearly mm. would have worked, it clearly would have worked in your, in your, in your cut, I, I think. Mm. Well, we know why he got rid of it, Rich. He got rid of it because he wanted to put in a scene where um, fisher women, women from a fishing village pick up Aquaman's jumper and smell it. That's so <laughs> cool, you know? Because everybody loves that. That's, that's cool. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, let's, let's smell <laughs> his fishy jumper as he jumps into the sea. Mm. Yeah. Oh no. You know what it is? It's because he wanted to make room for Amber Heard to do a terrible English accent throughout the film for some Ooh, reason. That was bad. That was bad. <sighs> that was bad. That was bad. That was a, that was as bad as um, Don Cheadle's British accent in the Ocean's films. And I'm a I'm a big Don Cheadle fan, but mm. that British accent is that takes liberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty important. <laughs> but but um yeah yeah uh, I I don't know I don't know um. Look, I think I'm done, I'm done because otherwise I'm just going to keep ranting. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to leave it there with um, Zack Snyder's Justice League for for me. Um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, add on to the the movie? Your final thoughts on it? And, and so? um, once again, like I said, I think it's a movie which is uh, oh okay, you know this is this is my main thing. Like you know because there's I'm sure there's a, a good few things that we can talk about more. But like I said, we can kind of save that for the next episode as well. Um, like the thing that I found really, really fascinating is, you know, has been this rhetoric of people who believe that you can only like one of the one or the other, Marvel or DC. And there's this narrative that people keep saying, I like DC because it's super, super dark and you know, and it's more adults and everything like that. And um this is gonna tie into my overall score score about how I feel about Zack Snyder's Justice League. This whole thing of like, you know, it's darker and it's, you know, it's more bleak and it's more violent and stuff like that. By the time you get to the final battle when they actually reach Russia and they've gone into the Batplane and Batman's in the Batmobile and everything, which is an amazing action scene, I must say. Like, I really do like that scene and it only start, and it only falls apart when Superman gets involved. But all of, from that point onwards to the end of the movie as well, I have never seen a film look so less gritty and dark and as real as DC <laughs> fans claim to be. Yes, exactly. That in that scene, because to me, <laughs> and this isn't in any way talking bad about it, because I do like the scene, but that film feels, that, that bit 
feels so comic book. It's unreal. It feels so comic book that at that point, if somebody showed that to me and said, this is a cosplay fan film that someone has put together, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, and once again, that's not even talking bad about them. But I'm just saying, it's like, it almost, the tone of that end scene feels so different to what you've got leading up to it. Is you're just like, this is, this is weird. There's that one bit where they're coming off the back carrier and Gal Gadot walks past Ben Affleck and Ben Affleck and like, actually bumps into Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck can't get out of the way. Or the bit where they all get off the ship and Batman's doing the whole thing, which is actually a really good scene where he's like, okay, whatever happens, stick to the plan. And, you know, and then he's like, and he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, they're here. But when he's doing that little monologue or when he's talking to Flash, um, he's coming down the ladder to, you know, from obviously there's different levels of the, of the Batplane. And he looks so uncomfortable trying to do it. It just looks, like I said, it just looks like a cosplay costume where, you know, you don't have enough money for certain types of materials that is going to allow you to actually turn in proper ways. Like you just you just look stiff because there's so much polystyrene there, and I'm just like, this is a comic book movie. Can't any DC fan say to me, yeah, I like it because it's real, because it's dark, <laughs> because, <laughs> because we see blood. I'm like, bro, go watch that last scene. Yeah, that's the stuff that I'd play with my little boy with our toys. <laughs> like, you know I mean? So you know, like the, I think that's one. That's like probably the the one thing that I really did notice because I really do like that scene. But at the same time, it just made me feel just like this is what people have been waiting for to try and ram down other people's throats if you're that way inclined. And this is what you bring to the table. Like, wow, you should be embarrassed if, you know, if you're trying to go a particular way and this is what you bring up. But, you know, like I said, that's not saying that I didn't enjoy the scene. But um, overall, that's how I put this Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think it feels like a really... It was like a really good cosplay fan movie that's been made for the fans. And um, yeah, and I, you know, once again, I'd call it, you know, a greatest hits album as, a, as, a, as the thing of like, there are certain scenes in it that I really do like, but there are parts of it that just really, really do fall apart, which we will touch upon again as well in the next episode. So like, scenes like the Martian Manhunter turning up mm. twice in a row but you're meant to be surprised I'm just like why, why would you do that you're like you've just you just basically destroyed one of your narratives which you tried to put in there as a surprise you mm. know what I mean so yeah so to me it's a great hits album that's got like really you know quite a good few songs in it but you know I wouldn't blame you if you had to skip a few songs to get to the good ones um same as Wonder Woman 1984 I'd give it a C plus mm-hmm Cool, cool. Oh, sorry, C plus, C minus. My bad, mm. C minus, man. What am I talking about? Mm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, for me, it is... God, I don't even know. I mean, it's not as bad as Batman v Superman, that's for sure. Um, but it's not much better than that. Um, <laughs> so... You know, for me, it's going to have to be a D, I'm afraid. Um, I, I just wasn't, Ooh. you know, the, the, I just really wasn't that engaged or impressed or entertained in, in either way with, with the, yeah. the, the film. Um, I just wasn't. It, there's just far, far, far too much that doesn't work. Um, and again, I, I just, you know, I have to say, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't understand people who think that 
Wonder Woman eighty four is terrible, and this is a work of genius. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Like, what, what, yeah. what is yeah. it that 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 elevates this film over Wonder Woman eighty four when it, it has exactly the same problems? Mm. Um, I, I don't understand. But you know, there, there you go. Um, well, that's just me. So, yeah, sorry about that, listeners. But that got a bit, that <laughs> got a bit um, depressing. Yeah, but chest. yeah, we had to get it off our chest. Um, as Rich said, we had to. You know, um, shall we quickly uh, give some thoughts on something that uh, at least I can be a bit more positive about, uh, um, a bit more excited for? What uh, the Suicide Squad trailer? Yes. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know. You know what? I wasn't in, I wasn't even super impressed. I don't know that's gonna shock you, but I was never a fan of that of that era of Suicide Squad. I was more like into um, the Justice League of America run with like like you know I was more inclined to like that type of series as opposed to um, Suicide Squad. But I know you are a fan of it, so you can, you can kick off and start. You can start off if you want, and I'll just tell you the thing. I could tell you like the main issue that I had with it if you want, but like. Put, put the positives out there first because like this episode has been a bit bleak mate <laughs> well it hasn't really I mean the Wonder Woman wasn't too bad that was quite balanced I think it's just that that Justice League in the middle no I mean th- th- quite simply the one reason why I'm excited for this is is um the man who's behind it James Gunn um yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. he, he is has proven himself to be you know brilliant as a, um as a filmmaker um, particularly when it comes to ensemble characters and particularly when those characters are obscure and weird he seems to excel at, at putting that together and and making a, a hell of an entertaining movie out of it um you know task force x okay suicide squad um is a comic book that is kind of close to my heart although i didn't read a lot of the new 52 run i have to admit it was more um kind of the work by john ostrander that that i was um kind of into and, and grew up with and, and this is what uh from the trailer and from some of the characters that I recognized on the team um it looks like it's it's leaning quite heavily into that for its origins but with a very much James Gunn spin on it um I like the trailer I I thought it was kind of for me especially after especially coming out around the time of Justice League which felt kind of unrelentingly dark um, and I don't mean dark as in like tone. I mean dark as in just like everything looked grim, and you yeah. know he washes all of his colors out, so it all looks kind of like a grayish color. Um, this just pops like the trailer just popped. There's so much color in this trailer, even though the like the red band trailer is violent as fuck. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but you know there's so much color, and I was just like, thank God, like we're finally getting a DC movie. <laughs> Or another DC movie with some color, which isn't scared of of, of putting color on the screen. Um, mm. In terms of the the characters, uh, as said, I, I there's some of them I do know and I, I kind of remember, and then there's some that I just were like, wow, even for me, that's obscure. Um, mm. But of the ones I do know, I mean, Peacemaker looks like he's he's going to be the standout kind of character, really. Yeah, um, played yeah. by John Cena. Um, he's He's kind of like a, a twisted version of Captain America, I guess, is, yeah. is, yeah. is kind of how you describe him. Um, and that gag where, um, you know, he, uh, Bloodsport, um, Idris Elba tells him to go eat a, a, a bag of dicks. 
And yeah. um, he says, you know, if this beach was filled full of dicks, um, then, for, you know, for liberty and freedom, I would eat them all. Yeah, um, yeah. That kind of sums up Peacemaker's character, basically. That's the kind of person that, that Peacemaker is. Um, and I think, yeah, he's going to be a standout. Um, King Shark, I think, is going to be uh, um, uh, one that stands out as well, especially with Sylvester Stallone's voice, because, like, the delivery yeah, is just yeah. very good. Um, and I think the idea is to kind of keep it simple with King Shark. Um, he th- that might jar with some people though. I could see that pissing some comic book people off because King Shark obviously is not that character in in the comics. He's very verbose and and mm-hmm. um, you know and is very uh, literate and you know speaks very well. But um, in the trailer, obviously they've dumbed him down um, and and they seem to have dumbed him down for this movie as well. So it could go either way. But I personally found um, the the hand gag quite funny actually. <laughs> Um, it, it was funny in a kind of stupid way, like it, it was just like hand, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, that that kind of appealed to me. Um, but yeah, I, I am looking forward to it primarily, as said, because of um, James Gunn and his involvement in it. Um, you know, he hasn't really let us down yet. So you know, he, he, if if anybody can take uh, the Suicide Squad and make it work on the big screen, it, it's going to be him. Um, and I get the feeling that a lot more characters are going to die. I think, like, there's, <laughs> to be quite honest, I think there might be about three or four <laughs> characters who make it to the end. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody else is is dead um, in, in this movie, again, because it's James Gunn. And I think that it's it's not a massive reason why Suicide Squad, the, the first one they did, didn't work. But certainly if only one character dies from the group, then it kind of makes a mockery of the threat that, you know, anybody can go at any time, which is what the concept of, of Task Force X is, is kind of supposed to be. Um, but I think, yeah, James Gunn is definitely going to amp that up in, in this movie. Um, and as said, I'll be surprised if, if there's about two or three characters who, who walk away um, intact. Uh, which ones there'll be apart from... Apart from Harley Quinn, I don't really know. I, I, I think Harley Quinn will probably survive. King Shark will survive. Um, but I think everybody else is kind of up for the chopping block, um, mm. really, from, from the sound of things. And, and that's kind of exciting to me as well. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and they introduced Starro, which is just so bizarre. I was like, what the hell? Like, Starro's in this? Mm, mm. <laughs> that was because Starro is obscure. For, even yeah, for yeah. DC, that, that that's an obscure character. So, so yeah, I don't even know where the hell like James Gunn got that and how that's going to fit into this story. I've not a clue, but um, but I am looking forward to it. And the trailer, um, yeah, did kind of sell me on it. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, Rich, what's your thoughts, man? I mean, uh, I know you're um, not quite as sold on it. Um, what, what were I tell you? What what were some of the the things about the trailer that that kind of put you off? Um, the movie. You know what? You know what it felt like? It just felt like he was using the same formula that I've already seen in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. That's what it felt like. Mm. Like, it's the same, and I mean, don't get me wrong, if, 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 it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But then at the same time, I do want to see something different. So like, to me, I just saw this and just said, yeah, like, you're still kind of using the same type of tropes. Like, I'm watching this trailer and I'm sure that by the halfway, like you said, by the halfway mark of this film, half of the team is going to be dead anyway. And we're going to be left with, you know, like, you know, our version of Star-Lord, our version of Drax and blah, 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 blah. But what you're allowed to do is that you're allowed to swear and you're allowed to show blood, guts and violence. And I'm just like, 
like like you haven't shown me anything different that's the thing like like and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying that i haven't seen anything different and i the thing that kind of cements that for me is obviously the bit where well not just that bit but i mean for example where you've got king shark and he's obviously their version of what well, as it stands right now things could be different you know he's their version of of group where you've got this person like you at, at some point you, you, i'm sure that if he's going to survive you know with his limited vocabulary and, he, and his limited you know intelligence that he's meant to have he's going to do something amazing or fantastical so already I can see that happening. Whether it happens or not is another matter, but that's what I can see happening. So once again, I'm going, I haven't seen anything different. Like we've already got this. And then they've even got their own version of Rocket Raccoon and this, you know, like, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I keep on repeating myself. Like maybe I feel like I'm not explaining myself properly, but show me something that's going to make me say, oh, I haven't seen this before. This could be interesting. That's what it is. This just feels like, how can we get back at, you know, if, if they were to think like this in a DC boardroom, they're going like, how can we get back at Marvel? You know what we should do? We should get one of their directors and basically just do what Marvel did. And what's that thing those DC fans keep on saying? Oh yeah, they like it dark and they like it gritty and they like it to feel more adult. More adult. How are we going to do that? Mm, let's show some blood and let's have them swear. You think that's going to work? Listen, man, there's a TV show called The Titans and one of the standout scenes in that show, if you ask any true DC hard fan, is the bit where Robin goes, fuck Batman. Okay, cool, I believe you. Let's go ahead a bit. That's how I think these people think. Like, you know, like, that's what I feel. That's what I got from the trailer. Like, it didn't, it doesn't make me excited, mate. So, you know, I don't, like, I, don't, I, I think I might be in the 1% people that think that because I haven't heard anybody say they don't like it. But, you know, that's what we do on this show. We say it with our chest, man. So, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's fair enough. I mean, the, the, there is a danger that it could just be, you know, as you said, Guardians with, with blood and guts and swearing, um, which, you know, for me is is not a, a massive problem if it's the same quality as Guardians, because, you know, both of those Guardians movies are great. I mean, the first one is, mm-hmm. is, is an all-time classic, in my opinion. Um, and the second one is really good. So, you know... Um, I guess if I'm again putting my positive hat on then um, you know that that's not necessarily a bad thing but I I guess we'll we'll have to see how it plays out isn't it I mean the movie's out this summer so um, yeah we'll we'll get to see it this summer and of course listeners um, we will give you our thoughts on on the movie once we've seen it and do a full breakdown and and everything else but um yeah let us know what you thought of the suicide squad trailer as well and if you're excited or if you're not you're feeling like richard that this might just be a, a regurgitation of, of of guardians of the galaxy then um let us know man uh yeah we're keen to hear you all right um this has been a long one so uh, thank you everyone for being patient with us um you know we really wanted to make sure that we did justice, uh, get pun intended, um, to, you know, this podcast. And we wanted to make sure that we got all of our thoughts and feelings out there, especially for, you know, for Wonder Woman 84 and for Zack Snyder's Justice League, because as I said they are two massive movies and we didn't really get the, the time or the opportunity to really talk about them in the depth that we would have liked to have done um, at the time that they were released. So, 
um yeah thank you for being patient and sticking with us um and as said i appreciate this is a really 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 long episode so um you know thank you for uh sticking around and and let us know what what you thought of it all um rich before we go uh let's do a little bit of housekeeping um first off uh, i want to say a big thank you to rob wade for his continuing support um in getting our podcast out there uh, rob is from the emotionally 14 podcast network um what they do there is they have loads of podcasts up uh covering very similar topics to us in fact so if you're interested in anything nerdy be that star wars or uh gaming or tabletop gaming um anything like that that you're interested in then uh hop over to emotionally14.com and check that out uh and you'll be able to uh, see some really cool content there so um give them a visit uh gotta say a quick happy birthday as well to dan from uh, dan's distillery he said he he will be uh joining us again soon to talk uh the falcon and the winter soldier on disney plus because um that show's been uh, kicking off and yeah there's loads to talk about so um he'll join us uh, for the final episode of of that show uh, and we'll break it down and, and get into everything but happy birthday to you dan happy birthday bro yeah man big up big up and lastly um yeah rich you want to talk about the uh, danger room analysis and what's happening with that yeah, yeah, so Danger Room Analysis, that's still going on. That's something that me and another one of our guests um, actually do, um, Alvin. So what we do is we basically um, break down action scenes, uh, which can include martial arts or just, you know, like anything, um, from all types of medium. So whether it be film, television, comic books, books, computer games, and we just, you know, we just pick a scene and we just basically just break it down and explain the reason why we do like it or why we may not like certain parts of it. And, um, and also give a bit of like backstory behind it. So um, the last episode that we did was actually, what was it? I think it was Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris was the last scene that we did. And mm. um, yeah, and it was, you know, it was just basically- Oh, from like, uh, Way of the Dragon, yeah? Yeah, 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 from Way of the Dragon, yeah. Oh, awesome, so it was just a awesome. breakdown of why it worked from, you know, from the choreography to the camera angles that were used, um, especially considering that those type of camera angles weren't used in, that type of genre even down to the martial arts and the difference of the portrayal of martial arts in that because that's the start of you know mixed martial arts what you see on, on that screen there and then but um but yeah essentially that's what we do we if you can find us on instagram underneath danger room analysis and uh we basically record a show every thursday at seven o'clock and the show this week is going to be on and the scene from jason and the argonauts which is basically going to be Jason versus the skeletons. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google that now, watch it, and then come and link us on a Thursday and watch that. And if you do forget, what I'm going to do is that we're going to post it on our socials just to remind you because, you know, I'm very, very thoughtful like that. So, yeah. Cool. Yep. Wicked. Thank you, man. So yeah, as said, folks, make sure you uh, check out Danger Room Analysis on Instagram. If you have an account, uh, just hop over to Instagram and check that out. In fact, if you remind me, Rich, I'll make sure that I link that up in the podcast notes um, before it goes out. So I'll send a link out with um, uh, to the Danger Room Analysis page so people can uh, start following that as well. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, this is us. We're done. Um, I think 
we will have to revisit DC another day and we will do so um, very soon. So I said, stay tuned because uh, we will have a wider discussion about what's happening with DC on film and where we think the DCEU should go and, and how um, they can kind of course correct a little bit and make things a, a bit better, um, you know, because that's who we are and we like to have those kinds yeah. of conversations. So, um, yeah, we'll be doing that very soon. So uh, stay tuned if you're interested in that and we will let you know when that is coming. But otherwise, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you all are staying well and keeping safe and getting your vaccines if you have um, got your vaccine well done. If you're in the queue, then, um, yeah, sit tight and uh, get your vaccine, mate, so we can all get back to being the bloody knobs that we usually are uh, in this country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be good night for me. Rich, say good night. Uh, good night. And we will catch you again next week. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Peace out. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 